Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Special Operations Covert Ops Espionage The Team House With your hosts Jack Murphy And David Park Hey folks, welcome to The Team House Episode 114 I'm Jack Murphy, here with David Park Our guest tonight is Ray McPadden. We're really excited to have him here tonight. He served in 2nd Ranger Battalion as well as 10th Mountain Division. This is his new memoir that's just out, We March at Midnight. He also has a novel out called uh, The Whole Mountain Burned. And uh, we're just super stoked to talk to you tonight, Ray. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, Jack, thanks for having me. I'm a big fan of the show. I love what you guys are doing. I'm a big fan of both you and David as as people and veterans too so it's a pleasure thanks man you you and dave are having your 275 moment a little bromance going on i saw the little hearts coming off of you off of your heads as as you talked earlier i saw that envy kind of yeah, coming out you saw that you saw me turning shades of green that's right which is, our background is shades of green so it's apropos um before we launch into the interview with ray i just want to give a shout out to our sponsor for tonight's show it's household five uh, they make soap and uh, chapstick and, uh, oh, there's a beard uh, beard uh, oil as well that okay. I, I use. All right. So first off, as you can probably tell, we are very metrosexual men. We like to look yeah. nice. We like to smell nice. <laughs> um, Household 5 is like, their whole thing is smell less ugly, which I'm all about because there's not too much I can do about all this. Um, it's They're based in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, veteran owned and operated. Veteran owned and operated. Um, the JTFO, Joint Task Force Operations Box, is 3125 and includes a soap for all six branches of the military. And I used the soap to wash my nasty ass. It was really good. I, I, The first time I used the soap, I got the tobacco and beechwood. What did you get? Leatherneck. Leatherneck. And then uh, here's the Dirty Privates. It's a musky scent. Um <laughs> But with the tobacco and beechwood, the first time I used it, I actually got soap up my nose because it was smelled so good. I was like, yeah. Um, the kid, we can't give those scented markers to because you come with a home with all the marks. Well, on nose speaking and- of scented markers, for all our Marines out there and, and Marine-like people, I'll tell you, this lip balm is delicious. You will put your crayons away forever. Uh, this lip balm is like all natural. It's beeswax. Um and I'll, I don't know what all is in it, but it is delicious. Beeswax, cocoa, 
You'll love it. Um, so very kissable too, guys. Uh, you go to household5.com. That's household5, the numeral five, dot com, and use Team Twenty as your promo code on your order. What does Team Twenty get you, D? Twenty percent off. Twenty percent off when you use Team Twenty promo code on your order and smell less ugly. So. Ray, if you're a fan of the show, you know what my first question is. Uh, tell us what your origin story is, man. Yeah, I, uh, Jack, I grew up in South Texas. And, you know, any, anybody who's from Texas, you know, football is, is religion down there. So I definitely got swept up in that. Uh, I played high school ball, really high level. Uh, I loved it. And, you know, what I, what I liked about football was – uh, you could you could work hard and then you could see a result, right? Like it, it, it could translate over onto the field and 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 I love I love that about like sports in general. Uh, so so I played ball um, growing growing up and you know I was not um, I wouldn't call myself a jock. Uh, you know that's of course a negative stereotype. Like I was always a really sh- like shy person, very introverted. I remain that way. Uh, today get a lot of social anxiety and like I was, you know, in high school, like I was scared of girls. Uh, I, I was really like scared of girls. And uh, I met my wife when, when I was, when I was 14. So we were both 14 years old and uh, she, she picked me. She was the aggressor. Yeah. So that made, that made life easy for me, man. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. We, we, we've been together really uh, ever, ever since. So, and that's just just a little bit about me growing up. And and had you always wanted to be in the military? You had a family history uh, of you know people in the military. Was that something you always wanted to do? Yeah, I was always interested in it, and I, and I didn't know exactly like what I wanted to do in the military. Like, you know, I didn't I didn't really have a sense of like the different branches of the military, and and then, you know, Marines or army or, or Navy, like I, I wasn't totally sure growing up, but my dad was a career Naval officer. So, you know, seeing him come home in uniform all the time and, and, um, you know, be growing up, you know, with military bases, you know, close by, it was, it was always something that was on my mind. Yeah. And you decided to go the officer route. We're not going to hold that against you. Uh, <laughs> Um, <laughs> he didn't go to West Point, though, did he? <laughs> really? No, no, no. no. Oh, I'm, not, oh. I'm not a West Pointer, man. Oh. I went, to, I went to Texas A&M. You know, fa- fairly big, like military school. And, um, but you know, you got you got that good mix of like real actual college being like you could be a real college student too, which I think is is I think is good. I think it grounds you better as a human being, and uh, you avoid some of the the pitfalls of the kind of the pure West, the pure West Point experience. Yeah. So yeah, Texas A&M for me, Jack. All right. All right. And, um, and when did you graduate from, from a Texas A&M? 2004, like Christmas, 2004. So I graduated and yeah, I, and I ahead. started um, maybe jumping ahead on you here, but I started the infantry officer basic course like two weeks later. Right. And I thought it was funny in your book, you mentioned why you chose the Army over the Marines. Um, do you remember what you wrote? 
<laughs> I sure do. Cause they, you know, somebody was like, oh, they, they got night vision goggles from Vietnam. That's what you're going to get in the Marines. Right. Uh, you know, the, and they're, you know, right. They're like this, you know, you know, this David, you know, they're, they're kind of the, the stepchild of the Navy. Oh, right. Yeah. So they're just, getting, they're getting all the hand-me-down shit and, you know, secondhand stuff. And, uh, you know, so it was like, Hey, the army's, you know, the army has it pretty good. And, you know, I was like, I, I knew about like Rangers and, and Green Berets and Delta and that, that stuff was, you know, the, those like storied units were always really appealing to me. That was like, I wanted to go that, that route, like the special ops world. And, you know, the Marines, unfortunately don't, they have MARSOC, right. But I think they, they, they've sort of always struggled to have that like really high profile special operations unit that tends to attract, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of attention. So yeah, yeah it was, it was the army for me. That was, and it was, uh, I'm, I'm glad it worked out the way it did. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, and so it did work out. Um, you got your commission and was it Knoxville? I don't remember where, no. Uh, where did you go for like your, where did you in process? I know you went to drum first, but Right. Yeah. So I went to, I went to uh, Benning, right. Okay. As an infantry officer. So we all go to Benning. Sorry about that. Uh, so I did, you know, I did airborne, I did ranger school. I did, uh, I don't know, something, well, there was like one or two more in there, but, and then you know, of course the infantry officers, basic course, all at, uh, so ben, it was Benning for me after college before, you know, before drum. Right. Now you, were you married to your wife at, this point in time, you guys have been together since you were 14. Yeah, we got married, um, like, you know, so we were dating, like, very seriously, but we got married, like, right after I graduated from Ranger School. Um, like, I went back, I went back home, uh, and, and we got married back home. We kind of eloped, um, and then, uh, and then we went, we went up to Fort Drum together. So, she, yeah, we'd been married for for like two weeks when we got to, to Fort drum. Did, how did she respond? I'm mean, obviously the military and what it meant to be in the military, especially as a spouse changed very much on nine 11 and here, you know, she probably knows you want to go in the military, but then while you're in college, nine 11 happens. And now you're going into this wartime military. How, how, how did she respond to all that? She was always incredibly supportive. Uh, I think for her and for, for me, her name's Elizabeth. Like, I, I think for Elizabeth and I, uh, like we knew like that was the trajectory I wanted to be on. Right. And, and she knew she, what, what she was signing up for, but like, no matter what, like it's, it's, it's not real until it's real. Right. You know, where, where I think there was like, it was still like kind of this abstract thing um, until yeah, until I had orders for for Afghanistan, and you know, she was honestly a, a, like pretty upset about that. And I didn't tell her till later, right? <laughs> that I actually like I actually had orders to go to uh, to Iraq. I was going to well, not to Iraq, but a unit that was just coming back from Iraq. And as like as as like a young infantry officer, I was like, no. Right. No, you don't, you don't go to a unit that's just coming back. Oh my God. Like you talk about being irrelevant. Right. Uh, you know, like dudes are all salty and you know, everybody's got their CIB and, 
you know, they're, they're larger than life, man. And then you're the new second lieutenant showing up to that. And I was like, and then, you know, I, you know, I ended up in Iraq, but like, for me, I always wanted to go to Afghanistan. Like I, you know, I joined the, the, the infantry. I went that route after nine 11. Like I wanted to fight, like I wanted to kill bad guys. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to, I don't want to screw around. So I, I wanted to get over there as quick as I could. I think it's Um, a good story because you wanting to get over there, when you showed up at drum, you walked into the office of the chief of personnel. <laughs> yeah, right. So I totally out of line for, and I don't like, I guess you're just, you're just dumb enough where, you, you know, you're you, you stuff like that. You're outside of the chain of command. I, I just walked in the, right. The, the S one, some, it was a female Colonel. I remember. Um, and I said, Hey, I, you know, I, I want to go to Afghanistan and I want to go like on whatever the next, whatever the next plane taking off is, I want on it. And uh, she, she was like, you know, she, I think she was expecting me when I, when I came in there to like try to get out of the deployment because the war had been going on for just a little while. And like, you're starting to see the, like in popular media and on the news, you're starting to see, especially coming out of Iraq, you know, lot, lots of just ugly headlines and stuff. So I think she, she thought I was there to, to try to bail on a deployment and then, you know, I think I, I surprised her with, you know, wanting to deploy as soon as possible. And uh, yeah, she cut me orders right there to go to Afghanistan. So I got what I wanted. I got exactly what I wanted. Um, and yeah, it was just just a few months later that I was, you know, that well, I went over there. And two parts to that story that really struck me was one, you didn't just tell her you wanted to go to Afghanistan. You you sat there and basically gave her your DD-214 today. You, or you gave her your, your resume. You listed off the schools you had been to. You, you sold that. You sold that. Yeah, you know, I'm standing there with my, with my, with my, my shoulder, with my Ranger tab on <laughs> Right, there. right. Still got the tab right there. You know, I'm, 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 I'm pointing that at her and standing as tall and big as I can be. I'm Ray McPadden and I'm here to vaporize hostiles. Right. It's, that's right. Yeah. Like so <laughs> stupid, cherry, like, oh my God. Right. You know? Right. And she's like, um, sucker. Yeah. But what's so yeah, funny is all that bravery, like all that. And then what did you tell your wife? Oh yeah. So, you know, for her, you're right. We didn't, you know, it was, it was a long time before I really told her, uh, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I got, I got orders for Afghanistan. Like, you know, it's like, it's crazy, you know? Right. So I, I kind of, I kind of downplayed it. I, I just said that, you know, this is kind of how it worked out. I didn't, I didn't really let her know that I, I was, you know, campaigning for it the way, the way I was. Right. And she was, she was up, you know, she was upset at first, uh, but you know, like I, she, she kind of knew we, like, again, we both knew it was coming, but it was, I mean, it was basically within like two months or, or not two months, like two or three weeks of us getting married that I was, I was going, Hey, I'm going to Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, and it, for her, it was like, well, how, whoa, like, okay, how long? And, and the army was doing, you know, 12 month rotations back then, you know, and it was like a year. And that's, again, a, a year is like, until you've done a year long deployment, that's, that's totally abstract. Right. That doesn't mean anything. Right. You know? So, right. It was, she was, uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting, but you know, we had just long enough where we could, we could kind of learn how to be married and, and, and get to know each other some more and, and kind of like adjust to, to actually, you know, truly living together. 
and being husband and wife, we, we had a little bit of time to do that, you know, b- before I left. Uh, and it was, you know, it was, it was fun. It was also like, you know, it was pretty intense. Like the emotion of, of like knowing we're, that I was going over there, you know, bubbled up a lot, right. You know, so it was, you know, we, and I talk about this a little bit in the book and, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't that all, all that pretty, you know, there's a lot of like fighting, like right. we are not a, we're not the necessarily the couple that you would hold up as the, you know, the, the, the poster of, of a, of a beautiful marriage. You know, we were like, it was rocky as shit, man. Right. It really was. <laughs> well, I mean, and that, that though is pretty common, uh, even like before nine 11, like one of the things in the Navy, cause they do deploy so often is it's very common for couples to fight a lot before deployment because they're sort of like creating that distance in a way. It's not it's not necessarily healthy, but it's like how we deal with it sometimes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's all there, there's all sorts of like interesting like psychological things going on. I think with with couples that are that are yeah sort of bracing themselves for it mm-hmm. and and don't you don't don't really know what to expect and. There's, you know, I, 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 like one night Elizabeth, like we were in a bar and she like went and started a fight right? for, for me to fight a dude, you know? And <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you know, I got kind of sucked into the trap she laid, but like, you know, it's just, just crazy stuff, man. You know, right. you know, scream, screaming at each other and you know, nobody, nobody's hitting anybody, but like, right. you know, like just real emotion on display and. And then you're seeing, you're also seeing in that environment, right? Like a military town, like is, is really interesting when like the whole like military is at war where there's, you know, there's, there's all kinds of women running around too. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Or in, in men, in some cases, right, where like the husband's deployed, or mm-hmm. the spouse is deployed. And, and they're, you know, you, you see people, you know, doing extramarital things a lot, man. Mm-hmm. And, and like the communities are small and, and, you know, word gets out, like people, you know, you kind of run into the same people a lot. And so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's intense, man. Like, you know, long distance relationships in the military and what's depicted often is, is like, you know, marriage is going down in flames you know, or, or like, uh, you know, Joe marries a stripper and, and then stripper takes off with all his money, you know, right. and that, that's real. That, that kind of shit happens. I yeah. mean, I don't, I don't know like how common that truly is, but I think everybody in any unit like saw like that happened to, to somebody's buddy, you know? Right. So. Right. The, the fact that, that probably everybody in the infantry knows somebody who is married to a stripper is is probably not it's a not commonality un- amongst it's not civilians. It's not uncommon. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah. yeah, I mean, the you know, relationship choices are, are yeah, like you're, you're not always, you know, your head's not, you know, in the right place, right? And, uh, and, and there's, there's, yeah, there's people too that are, you know, I think especially in like the, the big military towns where they're sort of like, almost like preying on the active duty, you know, yeah. where it's like, hey, you know, not necessarily about ripping, you know, it's not always about like ripping somebody off who's going to deploy, but, you know, some of it's just like, hey, the soldier's my ticket out of here. Right. You know, like, I don't want to be here, you know, right. this sucks, you know, get me out of here. And then as soon as I get my free move out of all this and kind of get on my feet somewhere else, then right. move on to what I really want to do. And you're not, you know, you're not part of that equation. Right. So. You know, there's there's a lot of like naive young people getting used, and you know, it's not just the the you know guys. You know, there's obviously you know kind of goes both ways, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So let's talk about this deployment to Afghanistan. Tell us, you know, what the mission was like, what the train up was like, and you know, prepping to head over there. You know, the funnest thing I did, like getting ready to go over there was we went to uh, tracking schools where we learned how to, you know, like to actually cool. track people in the mountains, like how to follow a sign and how to like close the distance uh, on, on, on people. You know, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of things in the mountains. Uh, we did uh, a horse packing and like a uh, course on like how to just like work with mules and donkeys and horses uh and and like you know because we we knew like where we were going we were going to Konar province the hindu kush mountains like way way up in the mountains so so we were trying to do things that would sort of get us ready for that mode of fighting and uh i you know i think the train up was 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 really really good obviously a lot of like ruck marches a lot of like fitness stuff and fort drum you know it's got some good like terrain it's got some hills it's got a really really cold severe winter so, so we had, um, you know, I think we were more or less ready for where we were going or as ready as you could be, you know, nothing could totally get you ready for, for the real, like those savage mountains in Afghanistan. Right. And, you know, the, I don't think anything can totally prepare you for that. Yeah. So uh, that was, yeah, that was the train up. And then, you know, for, you know, for Elizabeth and I, um, I bought her a dog to fill in for me i thought that would i thought that would work fairly well and uh <laughs> it, seemed, it seemed to go seemed to go pretty well um and then uh yeah but i was I, you know i couldn't wait to get over there i really right. couldn't like i was I, I was i was dying to get over there and in like a, a, the question obviously that you have before your first deployment is like you know you're, you're like again like i i've had the training i want to do this i'm ready for it but like you never truly know it's like that little nagging voice in your head of like am i truly ready for this like and how am i going to do like the first time rounds fly mm -hmm. like you just you you don't know until until you you've been there and you, you you get into it right so like that little nagging voice was in my head and it it was in my head even i mean you know, for 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 many years right? right so it was like that was just it was just kind of getting louder and louder as i like leading up to the deployment of like Am I really gonna, you know, not just ready for this, but like, am I, do I have like the instinct and like the nerve to really do this? Am I gonna measure up? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, I, right. That's, that's, yeah, you're dying, you're dying to know. Right. And, 
you know, you could kind of look at the other vets, like the dudes, and this is where, again, this is 2005, right, for me, 2005, 2006. So, like, you know, there's, 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 um, there's a lot of guys in the units now who have been on, on tour. So you're kind of looking at them and you're like, well, you know, he's, you know, he, he doesn't seem like that big of a hard ass. Like he was, he was in Iraq and he's, right. you know, like you, you kind of measuring yourself against those, those, the guys that have been there already, you know? And so there's, yeah, there's all that, Yeah, you know, there's, yeah, there's a lot of like mutual kind of measuring and like, guessing and second guess. I think that's very, very common, you know, uh, very common for, you know, a a certain type of person, you know, especially people who are like kind of driven towards special operations, which you were um, eventually, but for that sort of mentality. So what, where did you guys deploy to? Like, what was your arrival into Afghanistan, your introduction to Afghanistan? What was that like? I think we came in through Jalalabad at first, and then the first big operation we did was um, was right. It was basically we went into the Korangal Valley and the Shuriak Valley. So this was right after Operation Red Wings, and I think I think everybody's familiar, or many are familiar with that story. And Marcus Luttrell was go was, back uh, go back a few episodes and listen to the Tony yeah. Brooks episode. Uh, yeah, of yeah the team exactly. house. And you can get the lowdown on all that and the Rangers who did the recovery for it. So, yeah, so you came a little bit after that time frame. Right. And so that was like all this stuff's connected, right, Jack? So we, you know, we said, you know, the Army kind of said, you know, now we're, we're going to go into this terrain and we're going to kick the enemy's ass. We're like, we're going to go in their backyard now and we're going to own it. And so I was part of the first unit to, you know, you know, basically establish like a permanent outpost in, in that, in the Korngal Valley. And, and, and so, you know, you could kind of, the whole operation Red Wings event was, was obviously a big, a big driver behind, behind some of that. So we were in the Korngal, so big, bad mountains and, you know, very much like off, off the, you like felt like you were just totally off the map, you know, you're just way, way out there. And what, we were all it? on Take a moment to describe the terrain because we talked a little bit about this with uh, uh, with Wes Morgan when we had him on the show to talk about uh, the Peck Valley. But I mean, Kunar and that whole area. I mean, when I've never been there myself, but when I listen to you guys talk about it, it sounds like you know shit your pants type terrain. Like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, the The terrain is it's it's extraordinary. I mean, vert like vertical slopes, cliffs. You know, big mountains, 11, 12, 13,000 foot peaks, valley bottoms in many cases are maybe like four or 5,000 feet. So just very extreme, like vertical relief. And then, you know, heavy forest up high, you know, like, and, and I've heard, you know, people on, on this, on the show talk about like Pacific Northwest type of the forest, you know, big, big conifers and, and, and pines and just beautiful, man. I mean, truly, truly beautiful. And yeah, incredibly severe, you know, the terrain alone was taking out lots of people, you know, with, with, um, you know, just people like falling off of cliffs, you know, like try like walking around the dark on, on a, you know, a, a 50 degree incline with 120 pounds of, you know, guns and ammo. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's just insane. And, uh, 
you know, it was also just wildly beautiful. Uh, like, I, um, I, you know, I don't, it kind of struggled to, to compare it to somewhere in the States, you know, certainly nothing on the East Coast even comes close to it. You know, there's, there's parts of the Rockies that I, I think have some of that, like, really extreme terrain. Um, but it's, you know, the thing that always blew me away was, you know, the Afghans, I mean, the people like live there and there's not like huge population centers. It's, it's like kind of far flung mountain villages. These people really are because of geography in these mountains, they're, 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 they're very isolated from the rest of the world. And that's, that's, that's how they want it. So I was, I was blown away, Jack, by the terrain. I love, I loved it. I thought it was beautiful. It's also incredibly savage, but it, it just has this heroic like beauty to it. And uh, yeah, it's the Himalaya, right? So anybody who's seen, you know, climbing shows or, you know, anything about the, you know, that, that part of the world, it's, it's just the Western tale of the Himalaya. So it's, it's the real deal over there. And how, how did you guys even like begin to cope with that as infantrymen uh, and operating in that such a harsh environment? It's, uh, you know, like, like I said, like we, you know, we kind of did the train, we did the training for it, but like your first like movements at night in that kind of terrain, uh, like under night vision or just, they're a total, just, <laughs> this is a total mess, man. It brings out like the little kid in everybody, mm-hmm. you know, where like guys are just getting so broke off and they're, this is um, bullshit. Why are we doing this? Yeah, yeah, like the complaining starts and mm-hmm. dudes are just like the rucksack flop, you know, is just all over the place. And, you know, we had people, we had people like quit on movements, like straight up quit. And like, and not, not like, to- you know, it's like a uh, shit bag, you know, like, oh, you know, I do quitting on every movement. Like, no, like good people that were, you know, at least solid dudes who are like, I can't, right? I can't, I can't. It's like as physically, I'm done. I'm just completely exhausted. Like that, it, it was like bringing that out of like young, highly trained infantry. Um, so that's, I mean, those first few movements were it was, it was sort of stuff like that. And then you know, as an officer, right? Like you know, you were doing. I mean, it was your job to kind of like you know put missions together and assess like what was you know realistic for guys. And, and, you know, obviously you don't want to just completely break everybody off and then have to medevac dudes for, you know, cause yeah, they're, again, they're, they're so smoked that they're, they're getting injured from terrain. Um, so, you know, it took some, it, you know, it took a little bit of like calibration to kind of figure out like what was realistic as a movement. And then the other thing too, was like, just we did get used to it. Right. Like it was the first missions, always a total abortion, but you know, within, within two or three weeks, you get your legs under you. And then like, I mean, your fitness level is incredible. It's, it's, you know, those are, I mean, that's the best shape I've ever been in, in my life. You know, I mean, you could just, just straight up run up a hill with, you know, with, with 1200 rounds of machine gun ammo and, everything else on you. So it was, we got really, really fit really quickly. And I look at pictures from back then and man, I'm like, dude, you're just like no fat whatsoever. I mean, you're (laughs) just like, you're just total, just muscle man and not muscle, but like 
Like, yeah. You know, that, that kind of wiry muscle, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. You're just straight up, like no fat on you. And, and then, you know, the pictures as the tour goes on, you just get, they, you start to look more emaciated. You're like, okay, <laughs> those dudes look like they're starving to death. Right. Right. <laughs> but for a little while we look, I mean, you were like, you take your shirt off and be like, fuck no fat, none, none. Right. I, I think this is, you know, this is great for us and for our audience because we have a tendency to focus a lot on special operations yeah. and intelligence and, in both Iraq and Afghanistan, special operations had a very, as you know, had a very sexy mission. You know, you're back, generally back at your fire base at night, rolling out, you know, taking helicopters out to hit your targets or, you know, whatever. But conventional, those dirty, nasty legs were seriously out there humping and, and, and hooking and jabbing. And I don't know that that gets a lot of attention. That the public really gets it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, David, I, I love that point. I think it's an important one, man, is that, and, and I know, like, I can speak with authority on this, right? Because I had a foot in both worlds. Right. And I can tell you 100% that being, a like, a line infantry guy with Marines, Army, whatever, in Afghanistan um, is was way harder. It was way harder on, like, just conventional line infantry than special ops, man. Special ops, you know, a lot of times you had a helo to to the X or to the Y, you right. know, you're to, to get you really close to where you wanted to go. Or, you know, you're gonna go out for like a night or maybe, maybe a week tops. Right. Whereas the the line dogs, man, they're just every day, man, they're living in a fire base, you know, a platoon fire base. You're either on guard or you're freaking humping, man. Right. That's it. So yeah, you, you're not getting like and that, sexy that's a, and that's a that's a twelve month grind. That's not a three month in and out, right? Yeah, and we and we did, and so we ended up getting deployed or extended, so fifteen months. We lived out of our rucksacks, <laughs> like fighting, like in foxholes, just shit conditions for fifteen months. We were in the field for fifteen months, man. Right? No joke. Yeah. No joke. There was no break. There was no break. There was mid tour leave. Total mind fuck. I'll talk about that when I get to it. <laughs> and then there's, uh, there was, um, you know, like, there, you know, there was like transitions here and there, you know, like, uh, for like, we, you know, we got to go to Camp Blessing one time to do our laundry. Uh, and that was, that was about as good as, as, as good as it got. So, yeah. So having done three tours with the Rangers, and in like one tour with conventional, you know, 10th mountain, that 10th mountain tour, man, was the hardest thing I ever did in my life. Yeah. Well, it really well, when, when you look back on it though, Ray, I mean, maybe there's a tendency we all have to, to romanticize these things to a certain point, but do you feel like in those 15 months you did get to experience the exhilaration of true leadership being a infantry platoon leader in that sort of environment as austere as it was? I mean, like, it sounds like you guys got your man card. I, um, I mean, in the process of all of this. <laughs> oh yeah, it was. It, oh, you know, you couldn't ask for better conditions for somebody who really wanted to fight. Right. We were right, out right. there basically like platoon and company size elements, completely on our own. Right. You, you know, it was like basically it's it's senior NCOs, lieutenants, and captains like really running a war. Yeah. And you know, like. You're not seeing. You don't see anybody else, man. Right. You just told me out there, like, <laughs> yeah. and and uh, and you yeah, were so it was, just it was awesome. 
I'm sorry. Yeah. And you weren't just at, cause I, you know, this leads into like the first big mission and, you know, we kind of talk about the idea of measuring up in the man card because that, that comes into play in your first, your first operation out there. You know, the, I mean, you're out there in a patrol base doing patrol base activities for what, like three, four days. Yeah. Uh, can yeah. you tell us a little bit about that operation and like how it started and how it, what happened? Yeah, we we had we had some like our first KIAs in our in our um, in our battalion, and so you know we had good intel of of like where some of that activity had originated, and so we went up into um, and and this is before we we really like lived for a very long time in the Corngall. We kind of were in the Corngall, and then we got assigned to to go to a mission in the Waterpour Valley, which is also another, you know, very notorious area. So I went in, you know, it was my platoon. We basically air assaulted in onto this ridge line, and uh, we were supposed to, you know, hit back at some of the, you know, some of the, the, the insurgent groups that were responsible for these bigger attacks down on the Pesh River and that had killed our guys. Um, so we're up there and we're, we, we know the enemy's like active all over this area and we're, you know, we're looking for them. We're running ambushes, like straight up ranger school patrols, man. I and mean, it was, it was badass, like, you know, ambushes, movement contacts, uh, like all that cool stuff. Um, and, but we're, we just can't, we can't find them, mm-hmm. you know, like we can't quite find them. And you know, we've got sign out there, you know, we, we kind of know, we're, no, we're, we're, we're in the area, but anyway, they, they ended up finding us and I, and I still, you know, just like diagnosing that I'm not hundred percent sure, man, how they, you know, how they kind of slipped in just at the right time, but the Afghan, you know, the, 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 the sort of, um, the enemy in, in, in that part of Konar was like notorious for this kind of thing, right. Where you're like, even if you're, super dialed in and you're alert and you're doing all the right things, you're aggressively patrolling, you know, they still have a way of finding you and, and kind of catching you at the right, at the wrong moment. So they hit, they, they came up on our patrol base. And I think the the principal thing I did wrong, right. Was I, I actually kept our patrol base in the same like general location uh, for about three days. Mm-hmm. And so that was just long enough. So that's like, you know, that would have got you failed out of ranger school right there, man. Fuck that one up bad. You know, you don't keep your patrol base more than, you know, more than 24 hours in one location because it can't allow the enemy to pinpoint you. Mm-hmm. But I kept it there for, for about three days. And there was a few reasons I did that. I, I won't necessarily like get into all the like why, you know, why we, um, cause it'll sound like I'm, I'm, I'm rational. I, I, I mean, I don't know. Cause I don't know. I don't think you mentioned it in your book, but I'll just say a why so that it doesn't look like you're trying to save face when you're doing movements like that in that kind of terrain, you know, you picking up and moving a patrol base is, is another major event. And it's hard to keep your guys awake, alert, you know, fit to fight. And they're all getting dehydrated. If you're just around. beating them up every time you move, because you know, in ranger school, yeah, you can move, you know, 10 clicks or five clicks or whatever and set up another patrol base in, in a few hours. But in a place like that, a few hours might get you down the side of a mountain and it might be like 600 meters. So, I mean, I imagine that might be one of the reasons. Yeah. Incre- like it's an incredible expenditure of energy to pick up all your, like all your stuff when you're living out of a rucksack and, and move. 
And so we were tied to like uh, one HLZ helicopter, like resupply point. Like we had really one that was viable and we were sort of tied to it. So, you know, here I am, I'm going to go ahead and explain why I did it. Yeah, no, please. (laughs) Uh, Was right. So I was like, I I don't want to put us like too far away from our resupply point. Right. Because yeah, all I'm doing is making it just super difficult for us to come and get another five days of food and water and batteries and all that other shit we need. So I said, we're, we're going to stay kind of in this area. And, and the way I had it in my head was, okay, we're getting our resupply um, basically in 24 hours. So on the fourth day, and that's when all, that's when, and then we'll move the patrol base. Like once we're all resupplied, and we're not tied to the HLZ again, then I'll move the patrol base. And that right. was basically, <laughs> I had planned to move the next day. And that night we got hit and we got hit, you know, re- really, really, really hard. Well, so, and, yeah, and Ray, was, had you, here's the thing though. I mean, had you moved the patrol base and then sent guys out to get the resupply and they would have gotten hit, you, you would have said, I shouldn't have moved the patrol base. You, you know, uh, those are the decisions that leaders have to make in combat and, and everybody can Monday morning quarterback it, especially the people who make the decisions. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's tough, right? Like there's very rarely like a clear, like black and white, like you're in this just gray zone all the time and nobody's giving you feedback. Nobody like it's, you know, like you got your platoon sergeant, you, you might have some really solid squad leaders. You can kind of like really have like a good, like tactical, like deliberation with, but, you know, it's not like there's there's some, you know, your company commander's right there with you or some super salty, you know, uh, battalion commander and sergeant major there kind of going, hmm, you know, this is the right thing to do there. Right. LT. So it's it's totally your call. It really is. And there's no right answer, man. But you can't stare at it, right? You got to make a call and you right. got to execute. So, yeah, I, I, I appreciate you pointing that out, David. And just for both you guys, Jack, like I haven't had like a conversation at this le- like at this kind of level of detail for a really long time, man. This feels good. So thanks for that. Yeah, of we course, man. We appreciate you. We appreciate you, man. So we appreciate t- you, tell man. tell us what happened though that night. I mean, Charlie got in the wire. No, so it was it was like right at dark, right? Classic like Afghan guerrilla tactic, right? Like um, they 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 kind of hit like right at stand two, like last wow. night, mm-hmm. late in the night. Or, you know, kind of as it was, it was getting dark, right? And, uh, you know, we had, like, we had a fairly good position tactically, right? Like, where we weren't, you know, we were on a ridge line, and there was there was kind of humps in that ridge, right? Um, so, they, they weren't, like, way up above us, which I was in a lot of firefights like that, where, <laughs> you know, plunging fire down on the top of your helmet. Um, but, man, they just, they got in close. They got in close. So, I mean, just classic, uh, you know, attack with good support by fire element, machine guns, RPGs. And then they had a maneuver element that came in and got right up on top of us, man. So we're throwing hand grenades. Wow. Um, and it was, it was nasty. I mean, it was, you know, the, and, and what we kind of, and tactically, like the way we operate in Afghanistan, like, you know, we put, we like throw squads out there. Because a lot of the contacts really were, you know, they're kind of machine gun fights, you know, and, and, and they weren't, you know, weren't close in, like you weren't thinking a lot about getting overrun. Like that's not how they necessarily fought. But in this particular case, they just do, they brought everybody 
they could get on the horn for probably 500 miles. It felt like, and, and they came after us, man, and tried to just, just run us over. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a really intense firefight. It really was. Yeah. So throwing grenades and, uh, you know, everybody's, everybody's in the fight, man. The whole platoon's like throwing down and I'm the Lieutenant I'm shooting, you know, which is like, I think I was breaking a rule there. Um, so like the PB is like going to get overrun. It sounds like. Oh yeah. 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 So the, the patrol base man is Holy yeah, they're, shit. like, they got that maneuver element in where they were, they were coming to just take us out. So came all the way into machine gun range. We, um, you know, we, we knocked him back and that's when I, like, I got wounded, uh, from a, from a rocket propelled grenade. And so, uh, yeah, it hit a, a tree like this. Me and one of my team leaders were using this little skinny tree, man, because we kind of got caught. Like I was checking positions, right? Like what you're supposed to be doing. And, but I kind of got caught moving between positions. And the only thing, you know, it was like, and, and oh, man, I was like, there's getting shot at. And then there's like, they're shooting at you. Right. There's right, right. Accurate fire. Right. Yeah. And it's you. It's you. You're like that fucking gunner has me dialed in. Man. Yeah. You know, he's killing, he's trying to kill me, mm-hmm. me like that. There's that kind of fire. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like, <laughs> truly, that's who you just like, I'm yeah. not moving. You know? yeah. so, <laughs> um, and uh, so anyway, so we were, me and my, my team leader, Langmaster, we were like hide hide in this little skinny tree and then not hide behind it. We were shooting, but um, we were using this thing for cover, man. We were, <laughs> we were like right on top of each other behind that thing. So we just didn't have much room. And then, uh, you know, this RPG, man, you'd uh, hit the tree like dead on, right? Like within it detonated, uh, you know, within like three feet of us, Jesus. right? Like it hit the tree kind of up higher and we're like in the prone shooting. And then, so we're in the fireball, like mm-hmm. we're inside the fireball. And, uh, like, I just remember, you know, it's like white flash and like, you know, the fire, like the heat of it, you know, and we both got kind of thrown and, uh, you know, just, yeah, man, it was, it was just nuts. You know, it was crazy. I mean, you're, yeah, you're like, you know, at first you know, obviously you're like, uh, like I'm definitely lost some body parts from that one. Right. You know, I just, I don't feel it yet. Right. You know, you kind of do the class, like he's. I see it in the movies, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you check your the, balls. Oh, are they balls still there? there. Yeah. Okay. okay, I got my balls. I got my legs. Um, and you kind of come back to it, man. You know, come back around. It's like, and then you start to, you can hear the fight again. You're like, oh, oh, yeah. I just remembered that I'm about to get overrun on a fucking mountaintop in Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got to do, I, I got to like do something about it. I can't just lay here. And be like, oh, dude, I got shrapnel all over my body, you know. So uh, that was, yeah, that was like my first big fight. You know, I'd been in, you know, I've been in contact before in Afghanistan. Like we'd had some little firefights, you know, some little stuff. Um, but like I said, it's like it's getting shot at, man. You know, like like you know, pot shots, little pulse of machine gun fire here and there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that kind of getting shot at, and then there's like they're shooting at me and then there's just straight up getting a whipping. Right. You know, like superior firepower, overwhelming firepower from the enemy. 
Yeah, this is like Viet Cong hitting the firebase type stuff. Like yeah. this, I, yeah. I mean, it's a wild. Uh, I mean, that so few of these stories ever kind of really made it out to the rest of us is kind of stunning. Right, and and what you know, what I think was interesting about it too was like where there are a few of those like overrun stories. I can't. Remember, what's the battle? It was in Nuristan. They that the they made the movie about it. It's it's an awesome movie. But oh, there, Rest- Restrepo? Restrepo, yeah. Well, the, yeah, yeah the, the Restepo is Korrigal too, right? Uh, yeah. So, but but they're like you're in a you're in a you're in built up positions, right? You're right? not in that a firebase. Yeah, you're not like you're in a firebase. Like yeah. dude, we're in like ranger graves. Yeah, man. yeah, right, yeah, right. You're in a patrol base, trying to hold down. Yeah, like yeah, you know, uh, yeah. Anyway, so it was it was it was wild. Man. So it so was, what happened after you almost got blown limb limb from limb? So we, like, I pulled it together and, you know, was like heavily concussed and, and you don't, you don't know it, right? It's like, you know, you see this song all the time on like, you know, football games on the sidelines, you know, the, the concussion protocol, we weren't doing the concussion protocol. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It was like, you're kind of, you're kind of loopy, man. But we, we, it was like, dude, we got to do something about this. And we maneuvered, man. What, like we knocked off the. They're, they're the enemy assault element. Like we went and, and pushed back. We pushed into them and knocked them off the attack. And I think that's when it kind of crumbled for, for the enemy, right? Where they were like, all right, you know, it's not going to work out. Like we're not going to be able to overrun them. So I think at that point they're like, all right, we don't want to just do, you know, a drawn out fight up here. So they ended up withdrawing at that point. And so then I went to, you know, mortars, artillery, into that mode right and so the idea was okay we'll cut off escape routes or you know just try to hit them on the exfil with one five fives and uh you know that's that's kind of where where we went next that and then you know casualties right so we had casualties myself included we had uh another t- two other guys that were seriously hit and then two additional guys that were like lightly wounded and uh and that was the first time i saw like you know, so Lang, Sergeant Langmesser, good dude, just great American. He was next to me when that RPG blew up. He got, I mean, he got a shrapnel bath, like way worse than I did. And man, he was like, you know, seeing him, like seeing this super solid dude. And he was like, I remember, you know, how like pale he was mm-hmm. and like just kind of the look on his face, you know? And it was, it like shook me up, man. Like not only was I like, pretty messed up you know but like seeing a really strong dude like looking like he wasn't he wasn't (laughs) like he wasn't gonna make it he was he ended up being fine he came back but you know it was it shook me up and then one of our guys man he got like the back of his foot basically blown off and so he he lost a lot of blood you know just around just hit him kind of in the heel and Mm -hmm. made a huge mess and so anyway man it was it was cleaning up the casualties and then like i was absolutely certain based on the 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 nature of the attack that they were coming back mm-hmm. like i was like dude they have so many fucking dudes like there's no way they're not coming back like they're gonna try to they're gonna try again i was 100 percent convinced of that and uh so we put you know it, it got it got real dark and then you know it started to feel better it was like okay we you know like now we're under night vision like we're you know we're doing pretty good now and so we put, we, we put a, an, I put an ambush out. I was incapacitated. I could not walk. 
Um, oh, so we had, I had a squad go out. I want to interrupt like, you real quick here, if you don't mind. Has yeah, the medevac yeah, yeah. has the medevac come in yet? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there, there are a couple things that we need to talk about uh, that I think that that our <laughs> our viewers uh, should know. One, when you ordered the medevac, what was what was higher concern with? Oh yeah, they kept asking for enemy casualties. <laughs> Classic like higher man. How what's Classic the body higher. count? Yeah, they yeah. wanted enemy casualties. And right. You guys are still kind of in the shit. Yeah, like how the fuck like do I Like you're calling know? these medevacs <laughs> and they want a KIA count so that they can like put, you know, write their OER or whatever. Yeah, oh yeah, it's like classic like, you know, some I don't know. Yeah, the disconnect between right like the field and like higher and whatever like silly ass reporting you, you did you did the right thing though and got on the radio and was like 150 e kia on this objective right yeah yeah we yeah all we kicked them. their ass all man of them. Yeah. Um, yeah he's just like just say something just say something to yeah. him to like, get him to leave you alone i'm like dude i got right. urgent circles man like what are we you're like oh yeah i need a i need your yeah i need enemy kias and then I, you know i i spent a lot of time in afghanistan i'll just let me. You know, I'm going to do yes, a little. Yes, please. Thanks. Thanks for thanks Side for bringing bar. that up. Sidebar. We spent a, a lot of time looking for bodies for like we call it a battle damage assessment. Right. Now, I've never had to do it in the Ranger Battalion, but we did it in Tenth Mountain, and I think a lot of like conventional guys have probably had that experience of like go find the bodies, like go count bodies, and that that's always going to be. I I just I love my military experience. I do it over again in a heartbeat. But that's the one thing that, man, you start getting, you know, you want to get guys upset and you know, ready, ready to kill the people in the chain of command, man. That's, you know, body, go count bodies. That's that that'll get you. So anyway, yeah. So that that's what I remember that, you know, there was a lot of questions about about that. And uh, yeah, we, you know, we eventually we got we got Hold the on. medevac. There's one more. Yeah, there's one more on the medevac because okay. we're talking yeah. about measuring up and we're talking about man card and we're talking about your your desire to prove something to yourself. Right. So what what did your medic on station tell you about the medevac? Yeah, so so I'm messed up, man. I got shrapnel wounds. I'm concussed. Uh, You're my, bleeding? my ear. My eardrum was completely gone. Right. You're bleeding out of your ear. I didn't, I didn't necessarily know at the time. Right. And uh, so, you know, I, like I ended up, I, I can't remember what the platoon started, you know, exactly what he's doing, but I ended up calling the medevac in. And uh, and the medic, Doc Anthony Vaccaro, awesome dude, two silver stars, this kid, two silver stars. He was killed in the tour. But um, he says, hey, you you know, you're you're going out on the medevac. Like you're, you're a casualty, like you got to go. And I was like, you can't call your own medevac in. Like, no, 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 no. You can't call your own medevac. Right. And I'd never saw that written anywhere as a rule. Nobody ever told me that. But I'm pretty but sure. I just, I just knew with all my heart that that was a shitty chicken shitty. Like you can't do that. You can't call your own medevac in. So I was like pretty belligerent with my medic that I wasn't going out and then I was staying and my platoon sergeant, he didn't, you know, he didn't like that. He didn't like me staying either. You know, it's just like, Hey, you're a liability at this point. Like, you know, this kind of hero thing you're trying to do. Like, we're not, 
we're not interested. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, you know, obviously being the ranking guy on the ground, I got, <laughs> I got my way and, uh, you know, I stayed out there and, you know, I thought it was, it wasn't just like my ego, but like, I felt like, like we got hit really hard and, you know, I, I do, you know, I felt like for the, for the platoon, the guys that were there, mm -hmm. that it was the right thing to do to stay out there with them. For, for, like through that night, especially where I was, you know, I just had this sense. I was like, they're coming back. Like right. we're not done. Like this is a battle and, and it's not over. Right. So it just didn't, it was like this, I can't. And, and so it I, did improve the morale of some of the men when they saw that you had stayed behind. They did, man. They were, yeah, they were pumped up and I didn't, like, I didn't even think about that. Um, uh, well, you know, I told you, I, I, I thought about it in the sense of like, wouldn't it be, you know, what, what would they say about me if I left? I kind of thought about it that way, but I didn't, what I didn't expect necessarily was that they would, they saw that and they were like, you know, that that's the LT's good dude, you know, like a dude solid, like it, it actually lifted them up. Right. Where I was kind of thinking about it as a negative in a negative way, but it actually lifted them up. Right. I think yeah. something that's really important that you said and really insightful, because I think a lot of guys feel that but don't know how to express it, is you said you hadn't felt you earned it. You hadn't you hadn't had your moment. Yeah, and that's and that's where it was like, right, David, like that nag, like I talked about before, like that nagging voice in your head, man. You're like Am, do do I, you know, do I belong here? Am I legit? Mm -hmm. How am I going to do, you know, like all of those kind of questions when you're looking for, for validation, you're looking to kind of make that like rite of passage. And I just didn't feel like, you know, I could, I could say I, I sort of got, you know, what I wanted quite yet. Right. And there's the added burden on you uh, as being the leader that you're, you're rep, like what you do from the moment you get injured until whatever happens sort of sets the, the template or the morale sets the stage. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. And I, you know, and again, I, I think it was like some of it was, you know, like I wasn't all hundred percent there. Sure. Um, <laughs> I feel you. Right. Like I was still doing stupid shit. And then like, they gave me doc gave me like painkiller, you know, he gave me, I don't know. I think it's morphine, right? Like he gave me a shot because I was like, "Oh, dude, I got shrapnel in me. Like it hurts." You know, I like I was like moaning and shit, you know. And uh, yeah, but but you you, you like you kind of you can never forget that they're like your guys are like watching everything you do, right? Everything, right? Everything. Like that's like dude, rule number one is you know they're always watching you. So you know, I, I you know, again I. I think I did the right thing and, you know, and like staying and like, tr tr you know, continuing to like make tactical decisions and try to kind of maneuver the platoon. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I did it. And uh, <laughs> you mentioned the two guys got shrapnel and that was actually doc and uh, seemed uh, the other guy. And yeah, they actually just, yeah. Yeah. What they do. Well, yeah. So doc got kind of, he got, some some shrapnel um you know cirques billy cirques the platoon sergeant got some i think he got some too and they're up you know they're up there so anthony vaccaro right he's the medic he he did some crazy stuff in that firefight he he basically shielded the the kid that got the back of his foot blown off 
Um, and he, he shielded him like from enemy fire, like basically like covered him with his body and just like straight up, you know, hero shit. And, um, got a silver star for that. And, uh, you know, and then he got, he got a little bit of light shrapnel and then they were like picking the shrapnel out of each other with like a pocket knife. <laughs> They're like in the med tent cutting each other up trying to get the shrapnel. Yeah. Out. Yeah. Like just, I mean, it's crazy, man. Like good, you know, you know, some of the finest human beings I ever met, you know, that's who, that's who I was up there with. Yeah. So take us from this point, the medevac leaves and they're, you know, everybody's doing their thing until like the next evolution when you actually do leave. Yeah. So, you know, it ended up being about, about 24 hours later and, and it, and it was the resupply bird. And, uh, you know, I did the, my platoon sergeant, right. Like it's, you know, rule number two, it's like, always listen to your platoon sergeant. And he, he was like, you know, it was morning and he was like, Hey, you're, you know, you're, you're, you are a liability. So he, he did talk me into it, but, but that night the enemy came back, mm-hmm. they came back. And so our ambush patrol, um, got the drop on them. And it was, you know, I think they, they may have shot like a little too early, quite honestly. Um, everybody was scared. Sure. And that's, that's just how it was, man. I think they, you know, instead of maybe like, let's get like, let them get in the kill zone. It mm-hmm. was like, there's a dude, I see him on my night vision. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's let it go. You know, they're going to open up. Um, so they came back and, and we broke, you know, we, we sort of got, you know, an engagement, you know, and then, uh, and then that was, that was it. That was the, the fight was over. And uh, essentially the, you know, the next day, I think it was, you know, in the kind of mid, mid morning, kind of noonish somewhere in there, I ended up going out on that helicopter that was uh, coming in for, with our, with our resupply. So uh, the, the like prudence did sort of win out for me in terms of like, you know, it was like, Hey, we're again, like back to this terrain is so crazy. I mean, super fit, healthy people can't even move in it. And then I was obviously had shrapnel and was like incapacitated basically. So I got, I did, I did get evac the next day. And just because it, it's so personal how you write it. And again, so insightful. What, when you were going out on that bird or when you were passing by your guys, you mentioned like some, like somebody, look, somebody give me permit, like somebody acknowledge and give me permission to do this. Right. Yeah. I, I remember looking at him and thinking like, I, I was looking for some, like something from them, like saying it was okay for me to leave. Cause right. I still, you know, I didn't feel good about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, Hey, I got, I got through the night. Like I felt like I got through this, this tactical engagement. Um, but, but I still didn't, didn't feel good. And, and I was kind of looking at, at the platoon, the, and, and thinking, you're just looking for something from them. Like give that and nod. I, all like, I saw yeah. was, yeah, yeah. Like a nod or like KLT, you know, yeah. like, you know, something. Uh, and, and I just, I just remember them looking tired and, like, like they just, they were kind of like, Hey, we got the resupplies coming in. We got to, you know, get, get our everything together and we're going to hump all this shit back up the hill. And, you know, they were just, it was business, you know, it was business for them. They're like, you know, whatever, you know, LT has gone. That's it. So 
yeah, that was it was yeah, it was it was not the the kind of goodbye that I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I and again, it, you the way you write it, it I think that anybody who has been in anything even remotely close to that gets it. You know, they they totally understand like like I feel like I'm giving up on my guy. Somebody say it's okay that I'm not giving up on you that you get it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me something. Even if you're bull, if you're like BS and you just tell me, right. <laughs> yeah, Maybe you feel better about this. Yeah. No, I didn't yeah. get that, man. Yeah, didn't tell, get it. Tell me to fucking duck next time. T tell me something. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, it was just like, Hey man, these guys, they're, they're just getting ready for the next mission, the next phase of this right. mission. And I'm out and I'm right. out. Right. And yeah, that's, that's just how it is. Yeah. And, and that had nothing to do with their regards of you. It was just, they're, they're task oriented, they're mission focused, task oriented and, and ready to move on to the next evolution. Right. And that's, that's what you want. Ideally. Right. That's what you want. You want guys who are not like going to get, you have casualties and it's like, Oh God, you know, we're crying. We're all like, we're falling apart now. Right. We're going to get hung up on that. It's just like, all right, man, I, I got, I got to cross load their ammo. I got to keep moving. Right. Right. So they fly to you to Jalalabad or Bagram? Where do they fly you to from there? Uh, so I went to Asadabad first. Okay, Abad. Kind of a quick, yeah, kind of a, you know, so like urgent surgicals. It was like Abad was the first thing, um, or you know, for or like trauma. I wasn't urgent surgical, but um, yeah. So that was first kind of first stop, and then Bagram. And, and, and was it Asadabad or Bagram where you fell into the healing tenderness of, of, an, of an army doctor or doctor or nurse? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that was Abad. And like, you know, Abad was like, man, a lot of like, this was the time where like, it was, it was hot, man. That whole sec, like that whole sector was super hot. So like there's, you know, this, this, this female, um, you know, doctor had probably seen a lot of casualties. Right. And, and I remember, I remember she was like really attractive and I was, and I hadn't seen a woman for like a long time. Right. And I was, you know, right. And, and I was, Thus and I, she, she was she really had, attractive. Yeah. And she had her surgical mask on. She had to remember she had these like green eyes and I was like, Oh my God, you know, and, and I could smell her. Right. I could smell her from across the room, you know, like that. And you're, you know, you're like Bronsai coming out of the field. Like you just, dude, I, I was like, I smell like burned skin and, and ass. And, uh, and I, I just remember I could, I could smell her. Like I could smell her soap, you know? And, and yeah. And I wanted her to be like comforting and I wanted her to be nurturing. And I had this whole thing going in my head of what it was supposed to be like. Right. Uh, from, from my caregiver. And, right. and she would, again, that like very cold kind of like, doing my job i'm doing my job you're just another casualty like coming through like i'm i'm oriented okay i gotta get this this metal out of you and then phew, i gotta get you on to the next like you know kind of the next station in right. this wounded train not to mention that every casualty that came through flirted with her just, <laughs> right? just, yeah yeah just uh, exactly yeah. yeah it's like you know it's like hitting on the waitress at hooters you right. know you're like exactly Exactly. When there's only one waitress at Hooters and you haven't eaten for four days. <laughs> so yeah, she she did a good job, man, but she didn't she wasn't really interested in getting to know me. Um yeah, so then yeah, the next stop was was uh 
Bagram and my wounds got infected, which is exactly what Doc Ricaro said was going to happen. He's like, you're, yeah, these are going to get infected. It was just, and I was just being in the dirt, you know, being, sure. I mean, metal going into you in the first place is not good. Right. Sitting there and then kind of still stay, hanging out in the dirt for another 24 hours. And uh, so my, my wounds got infected. Jesus Christ, did that hurt? Like it was like my leg was on fire. Um, and then, yeah, so anyway, that, and then my eardrum was like blown up. So they ended up, they put, they sent me to Germany and, uh, yeah, I was in Germany for, for a little while. Um, you know, I, I was on, I remember being on the plane though, right. Where it's like, all right, like if you get hit, everybody gets a purple heart if you get hit, but some dudes get hit, like you lose part body parts, you know, you're, your kidneys fail, like, you know, and, and comparatively speaking, you know, I was, I was like, not, you know, not like serious, you know, not like nearly as seriously wounded as some people who, again, it's going to be like, it's going to be with you for the rest of your life. Sure. And so I remember being on the plane back to Germany, you know, they were flying me to Germany. I remember they had me right by this Marine, this kid, man. And I know he was like, he was young. I could, I could, you'd tell, you know, he was like right out of high school. And he got hit, like, you know, bullet hit him, like, right below the plate. All the organs failed, like, you know, that kind of horrible, like, catastrophic wound. And they were trying to keep this guy going, man. And, you know, I'm sitting there on a flight, like, looking at him. And, uh, yeah, that, that kind of messed with me, man. You know, we were like, you start to, again, you're kind of like, you know, am I, did I really earn this? You know, did I really earn my Purple Heart, you know, sitting next to this guy who's, you know, took one in the chest, you know? Right. So I did, you know, and that started out like a whole, like being in Germany, it was just a whole bunch of soul searching, you know, right. where you're, you're removed from your, your guys, you're removed, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, what, what's happening to them? They're still on the mountain. Like, I want to know, you know, if, if, you know, what, what, if they're okay, uh, I want to know if there's been more contact. There's, you know, you, you're kind of separated from the battlefield now, so you don't know what's going on. And you're just, I was in a, in a hospital and, you know, in a little hospital room and, and just totally isolated, man. And I, I just, yeah, it was, it was very like psychologically, it was extremely difficult to, to sort of deal with that, be separated from a unit, not know if you, you know, like kind of like not have that like moment when you were leaving your platoon on right. whether, you know, like what they really thought about you. Right. And then. Uh, yeah, just, just kind of the isolation and, and thinking about too, right. We're, I think this is really important is you like, you get hit and then everything gets a lot more real after that, you know, where you're early on and, you know, this is very common in like war stories, right. Where it's like the naive rookie, the naive rookie, you haven't really, you know, and then it's like, you get in contact, you get you know, you get in the shit, you know, and you start to understand the stakes, but then, you know, getting hit, I mean, takes it to a whole nother level, right? right? You're like, Oh dude, you know, like it can, it can happen to me, you know, like the whole basis of the infantry is that nobody thinks it can happen to them. Otherwise you'd never do that That, kind of shit. Well, I, that's the thing is everybody knows that you can die in combat, but we also all know that it's not going to happen to us. 
Yeah, you're like, no, I'm, yeah, no, not right. Me. I know. I, I've had yeah. I've had this conversation with people in like subsequent years, and like all the weird, stupid stuff I did throughout my life, whether as a as a journalist overseas or or as a soldier in combat, I never once thought I was gonna die. Like I never seriously believed that, that would happen to me, which is completely irrational. Makes no sense whatsoever. Right. <laughs> but, but nonetheless, yeah. You need you need that. Otherwise, right, you, right. you can never like run into harm's way. And yeah, both right. you guys run toward gunfire. And yeah, it's like yeah. So it it doesn't work if like once that part of your brain, it could be of, me. It yeah. could get me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I pretty like, much just run towards rocks these days. Man. <laughs> um, yeah, which Dave, I I, I know uh, I saw about what happened to you, man. I, that, that's insane. That's. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. It's nothing compared to, to what you went through, though. I mean, I mean, that's the that's the legitimate truth. It was a rock, not an RPG. Let's be real. I mean, you know, so. Um, so I know that like this is you talk about being in that hospital room and, you know, your mind, you're, you're there alone with your thoughts. And, and I know for one of you, for one of the things for you was. Should I move the patrol base? Were you were you sort of projecting that onto the guys that they were judging you about that and about the decisions you had made? Were you, were those things you were worried about? Oh yeah, oh yes, yeah, yes, I was. I was, I was, you know, like there's a lot of like literature out there about you know young officers, you know, <laughs> you know, getting getting people killed, getting people sure. hurt, you know, sure, and you know, I I was kind of feeling like that guy. You know, where I was like, those casualties, that's my fault. I'm hurt. It's my fault. Like, this is yeah, right. tactical decisions that I made. I'm the guy on the ground. It's on me. And it was, it was, yeah, it was, that was haunting me. And yeah. it still does. Yeah. I don't, it still does, man. I don't, that, don't, that shit doesn't ever go away. Right. There was something else I think that really is you know, one, a testament to the strength of your marriage that you guys are still together and also where the army really fails families, because what's going on with your wife right now while you're in the hospital? When I got, yeah, when I got uh, evacuated, the army did its thing. Right. And the, like the notification went out of like Ray was wounded in action. So she got a call. Um, but the call was just, he was wounded He's been evacuated. He's going to Germany. Uh, that's all we know. You'll hear more later. That's basically all I told her. And so they, they I mean, they left it completely open-ended about what had happened to her. But, you know, when, when I got to Germany, I, I so, so she's like freaking out, right. right? Like who, you get this like vague report about your loved one. And, uh, and then it was, so the idea was like that, you know, I was going to like the, the family member kind of was going to close the loop. But what I decided when I was in Germany was that I wasn't going to tell her that right. I was hit because nothing good is going to come out of me. Right. You know, like she's just going to freak, man. So I, I didn't tell her, I was like, I don't fucking tell her. Like, why would I do that? And, and, uh, so I just thought she wasn't going to know about it. And I was like, I'm going to go back to the battlefield. Like, I'm not going home. I knew that for sure. Like, I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm going to stick with it. Um, but anyway, she, she had, uh, she'd been notified. So she went two weeks maybe 
with like no information, like just because the army thought that I was going to call her and you thought nobody had told her anything. And I thought, no, yeah. I was like, she doesn't know. So she's never going to know. She's not right. going to know. So that's, yeah. So my, finally I got in contact with my cap, the cap, my company commander. And I was like, Hey, Hey, I, I'm going to, I'm going to heal up. Like I'm coming back. Like, don't give my fucking platoon away. Like don't give my platoon away. And, and he was like, Hey, by the way, have you called Elizabeth? And I was like, no, why? Like, don't tell her. Okay, sir. Like, don't tell her. And he's like, dude, she knows, man. Oh, she knows you're, he's like, you haven't called her. And so anyway, I freaked out and I, I called her and, uh, got her, you know, got her on the phone and she was obviously very upset yeah. because she didn't know what the hell was going on She did for two weeks. Right. For about two weeks. Yeah. It was like two. Yeah. It was like two weeks, man. She yeah. just didn't. And you know, uh, and I, so I, you know, I told her what happened. I was like real honest about everything. And, and, uh, you know, I was like, Hey, I, you know, kind of like, kind of looking for your blessing to go back too. you know, like, right. And she, she was supportive. I mean, she, you know, I was like, Hey, this is what I want to do. And, you know, she was like, are you sure? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm sure. And she's like, all right. You know, so that's, 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 that's kind of how it went. So she had, she had my back even, you know, she, she, get, she pulled it together quickly. You know, and thing with Elizabeth, she's, you know, I mean, she's definitely a character in the book, man. And she, she's, you know, she, she was always there and um, it was important to me to, you know, to, to kind of have her be a real character. And, and, you know, I think for kind of the, the relationship side, um, there's, there's a lot of like spouses who are like cardboard cutouts in, mm -hmm. in a lot of like kind of military stories. And it was important to me to have like a spouse actually be a real character and, and kind of representing some of the, you know, kind of the fact that it's, it's not just you that goes to fight mm -hmm. and that other person's really, they're fighting beside you. Right. You know, that's how I saw it. Yeah. We, and we've talked about this before with, with other people on the show and whatnot that their job is actually harder than ours because we're yeah. out there living our dream. We're yeah. doing what we want to do because we want to be there doing it. And they don't know what the hell's They're going the on. one who has yeah. to carry on with their life while we go like take care of the kids, yeah. pretend everything's cool. Yeah. You <laughs> know? Yeah. If you were to, like, if you were to flip that, I, I couldn't handle it. No way. I'd be out like that. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'd be a nervous wreck. Yeah. Yeah, I just yeah. totally. I like have a psychological come apart. Now, you know, I really. Yeah. Ray, I I trust you. You're a trustworthy guy, but let let's be honest. You kind of have a a history of dishonesty. You know, you kind of finagled things with your wife <laughs> when you got your orders cut. What did you tell the doctors your plan was when they because they didn't want to send you back to Afghanistan, and and what was it exactly you told them? Oh, well, you know, I said, I, I'm, I'm going to get myself assigned to, like, I'll get light duty at battalion. Like, I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll be like the making assistant. Co making coffee for the colonel. Yeah, yeah, I'll go be like the assistant supply officer. Like, I think our supply, like some of our supply people are in Bagram, which is basically the States. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, you know, I told them I was going to get myself light duty because they were, you know, they were, you know, it's the whole thing with, like, the, the whole, like, um, you know, Germany, especially, right. It's like, these doctors are not, they're not assigned to combat, you know? So, right. you know, so it's like, it's like what a doctor would really do, you know, like, Oh God, like, we you know, look right. after you well. Whereas, you know, up, up on the line, you know, take a Motrin. Yeah. Take a Motrin, rub some dirt on it. 
That's right. Yeah. You got a battalion surgeon. They're like, well, yeah, you know, you're like, oh, dude, I got hit. I got shot in the leg. You're like, yeah, walk it off. Yeah. <laughs> so they were, yeah, they were trying to help me. They were trying to send me back. And I was, no, I said, oh, I'll get light duty. I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good. And, you know, so they, they, they let me go back, even though my, my ear, I, I, basically had lost you know use of one ear right they're like um, no loud but, noises no loud noises and don't get it wet <laughs> which yeah that lasted about you know three hours once right. i got back <laughs> so i yeah I, I definitely you know lied to get myself back to the to the battlefield i just i just you know, it was nagging at me of like oh god they're gonna give my platoon away and uh, i was like i can't I gotta, I gotta get back. And I did, you know, like I called my commander, you know, a couple, couple times, two or three times just to, you know, just make sure he wouldn't, <laughs> he wasn't having second thoughts about, you know, me coming back. I was like, I'm no, I'm, 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 I'm coming back. Cause right. What, what would usually happen is, you know, like once you're in that wounded pipeline, you're, right. you're going to state. That's it. it. That's it's the it. freedom I mean, bird, right? It's the freedom. Yeah, bird. man. That's, I mean, everybody's, everybody's jumping on that thing. You know, like if you, once you're on it, man, you're, you're, you're golden. Yeah. So I, I think I was, you know, I no, I knew, you know, I knew enough to know that, that it was like, you got, you got a free ride home and you're done. Like you could just go hang out. Even, you know, if you get better, you just go hang out on rear D. Right. You know? Um, but yeah, so I, I was, you know, that was, that was not an acceptable outcome for me. So you fly back and have a long convalescence back in Afghanistan. You fly back to Afghanistan, right? You have a long convalescence while you're there. No? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we, I think we got orders and it was within, you know, being there. I mean, I was back for maybe, maybe a half a day. <laughs> and, and so we, and we was sort of back to the Korangal Valley. And my, my, the rest of my company was out there and it was like, Hey, we need, we need your platoon back here. Um, you know, and, and so get your asses back out here. Um, and so we, we hopped and Humvees basically, you know, that, that day or the next day and, uh, and drove from Jalalabad airfield to the mouth of the Korangal Valley, which is again some of the I mean some of the most dangerous driving in Afghanistan with IEDs and yeah, you know <laughs> yeah. we were just we we're just doing it in broad daylight, you know, just just cruising, um, and yeah, and then got to got to the mouth of Korangal and and had to yeah had to had to sort of ford the river, which you know, didn't, didn't go well. Again, it just sort of back to the theme of the environment, like the environmental theme, right. Of like just the, the terrain itself, the rivers, you know, so we had to cross this, this very swollen river um, in our Humvees. And, and, I, and I knew looking at it, it was not going to work. I was like, Oh shit, we're going <laughs> to come back here so I could drown. Um, and, and we, yeah, we basically like my, my Humvee, you know, Tune leader up front, right? First vehicle in the movement. And we, we got into the river and then just got about half, a third of the way, half the way, maybe third. Yeah. And, and then swamped the engine and then the current started pushing us. And uh, yeah, it was just, 
yeah. So, so anyway, you know, back to my, my ear, you know, I was like, ended up swimming, haven't, haven't, we all had to kind of swim for it. And then, um, you know, basically lost the vehicle and, but you know, that, that, uh, that night, like my company, like we're seeing, you could see the fight, like a firefight, like one of our, um, you know, I'm pointing, right. I'm <laughs> it's over there. Uh, that night we actually like one of our squad patrols got hit and we had KIAs, um, down like further south on the Korangal. And, you know, it was just like my company commanders, like, you know, come on, come on, man, get up, get out here. Yeah. Get, like get up here. Like we need the help. And that was, you know, and it was like, Roger that, you know, that, I mean, that's, you know, that was like, Hey, we, that like, that's our unit, man. And like, that's our AO and we should be there. So, you know, we, we, we got jammed up a little bit getting out there, but we, we basically arrived within, you know, tw- about 24 hours of me being back in Afghanistan, <laughs> we were pretty much in the corn gall. So it was, uh, there, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of, a lot of downtime once I got back. Ray, can I ask you, you know, with, I mean, everybody, there are all these high level lessons learned in Afghanistan and, and why we didn't win and we would have won if we would have done this and whatnot, but you know, army doctrine with for infantry is what three to one, right? Three, three, uh, one thirds, two thirds. Yeah, three, three friendly to every one bad guy. Um, when you have a place like the Corngall, where it sounds as though they were like continuously undermanned, uh, especially for that type, those types of operations, that type of environment, the number of forces that the Afghans could could bring in you. Did you ever find out why there was so little effort? Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Or focus put on that area and why you were consistently sort of under undermanned. I think at first, David, we didn't know how, just how strong the enemy was. Uh-huh. Like I you know, like, I think they're like, we knew Al Qaeda was very active there. There was, we, we had been told actually that the seven, like a big part of the September 11th plaque attacks had actually been planned there, like in the Korangal, like some of the operational planning had, had occurred like in that area. Um, but we, we, like, we believe that Al Qaeda, like our presence there in the Valley had kind of pushed out like the bulk of the Al Qaeda presence. Um, and so we were, a lot of it was, okay. It was more of kind of the, the regional and like kind of the local level Taliban was who we were fighting. So like at first, I don't think we really understood how big the enemy's force was. And then, then, you know, sort of like contact after contact, we, it started to write, like, that's how you get Intel, right. Mm -hmm. Is, is contact. Um, we started to realize like how big that enemy 
force was in that area. And, and then they were, you know, actually bringing, like as kind of time went on, it was classic like guerrilla warfare, right? Where they, when we kind of would, we went in and did this big operation, lots of guys and they, you know, they saw, you know, okay, they're, <laughs> they're bringing everybody to the party and they all bailed. Right. And then once the big operation was over and it was like, okay, now this company, a company is going to hold this whole area. They all came, like everybody came back, everybody right. and their fucking mom came back. And, and then it was, you know, so it was like the summer went on, the, the, the firefights and the, the hits on like the outposts and the platoon positions just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it got to the point where like at one point in the Korngal, like I had my own, my own position, we had another like platoon level position and we got in such a gigantic, like fucking dick dragger of a firefight that they like, they, the Colonel actually, our battalion commander said like reconsolidate everybody in the company and like, no more, we don't want like platoons trying to like have their own positions anymore. Cause yeah. everybody was really worried about like how, just how many of those motherfuckers were running around. Yeah. So it, but you know, back to your question, David, like, like why we weren't willing to push like more people there. I mean, I think a lot of it was just like, you know, like the kind of overall troop levels in Afghanistan. Right. We just, we just didn't really have, have that many people there. And I think we thought we fell into a lot of the same traps that the Soviets did of, of kind of like having these very far flung remote positions, you know, it was kind of like, we'll put a platoon and right. a we'll put a squad in every Valley. You know, and, and, you know, obviously that's, that's very easy to take advantage of when you're, you're just scattered that widely. Right. And that the next major event kind of in the book, uh, in, in, in your operations there, I really illustrates what that lack of force did, right. The lack of troops. Um, I'm thinking about the convoy. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, yeah, you're trying to guard, you're, you're, you're trying to be everywhere. Right. And you can't, you can't be, especially in like mountains like that, where they, you know, the, the, the effect of mountains, like what you get in the Hindu Kush is it's like a big equalizer. Like a lot of your technology, technological advantages are sort of canceled. Um, you know, just, just for example, like an, like a fighter plane, like a fighter jet, you know, like for a fighter jet to actually support you you know like they like trying to circle over a really really tight like mountainous valley like that you know it, it's it's almost impossible like just the way it all works with the physics of it um so it, it's it's, just, it's this great equalizer like terrain like that where it just become it comes down to the foot soldiers and um you know so so anyway we're we're, we're trying to um kind of be everywhere and, and, and cover everything. And we're trying to keep ourselves supplied because our aircraft are getting shot up, mm -hmm. right? They're shooting up the helicopters. And, and so the aviators get real skittish and mm -hmm. they're like, Hey, we don't, <laughs> we don't want to like, fly into the corn gall anymore. We're like, Oh, I do. But like, what are we going to do? Um, so we start trying to do ground resupply. And anyway, um, we have a convoy that, you know, we're supposed to be doing my platoon, supposed to be doing overwatch in along this huge like seven eight kilometer section of of this road and um we we end up you know we have multiple missions and we have um so i had to pull down a position like an overwatch position so that i have enough bodies to go do a raid mm -hmm. when i pulled down this overwatch position um 
the enemy like that night basically got a bomb in the road um and then laid into an ambush like laid into about a mile of of hillside so just a giant linear ambush and being a parent can be really challenging it's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children that's why child and family resource network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today uh, and then sprang that the next day, um, you know, s- complex attack started it with the started an attack on this convoy that again, I was, my platoon was supposed to be sort of providing overwatch so that this type of stuff didn't happen. Right. Um, so yeah, another like tactical, you know, tactical, like quagmire, David, where it's like, there's, there's no, there, you know, there's not really a right answer because the raid, you know, the raid that I, I pulled guys off of a position to go to a raid right. because we had you know, very good intel. There was a whole bunch of Taliban like up in this village. And I think ultimately what happened is it was, it was in fact true. Right. But they weren't, they, you know, by the time like kind of the intel got to us, they were no longer in the village. They were actually like, that was the ambush. Um, So we went chasing them up here and they came, you know, they came down here. And and, the raid was actually preemptive to hit them before they could get to the to convoy exactly yeah right and that that was the goal right but just you know again friction and the fog of war like right. it just didn't kind of work out the way it should have so they ended up like we went chasing them way up the mountain to this village which means we weren't watching the road and so that night they got in they dug a bomb into the road and then they laid into ambush and then hit the convoy the next day um we had come back down because it was a dry hole and we were like damn like we we felt like we were like, yeah, somebody was up there for sure, but we don't, you know, we're not totally sure where, where they ended up. Um, and so the convoy's coming up the road, like we've reestablished our positions and then the enemy springs the attack on the convoy, kills, um, you know, three, I think three guys and a girl, uh, a young woman, a uh, young female medic uh, in the first kind of big volley of fire. So my platoon had reassumed a position kind of right in the middle of all of it. So it was, uh, it turned into like another, you know, very, very large firefight where, you know, there's the convoy down on the road. There's my platoon on the hillside and then there's the enemy up on the hillside too. And, and so there was sort of a a period where, you know, it was just rounds just going everywhere. And, uh, we, you know, we ended up, you know, I think because my platoon were we where we were, um, you know, basically in closing distance on the enemy, they pulled off really, really fast once they realized, like, we started, you know, shooting at them and they realized, holy cow, they're like, there's actually, you know, infantry like right here on this hillside right below us. So I think the, you know, the attack would have been far, far worse because they were dug into, you know, in effect, a mile of this, of this road where, you know, the, the vehicles are moving really slow and then just sort of classic ambush tactic. They took out the first vehicle and like 
the road was so narrow. It's these really scary mountain roads where it's yeah. just like cliff on one side, cliff on the other side. Um, they were crippled. I mean, they couldn't move. I mean, so they would have just chopped the whole, that whole convoy to pieces. They would have killed everybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that happened. We ended up chasing the enemy up, up that mountain, you know, um, but we didn't, you know, we didn't obviously protect, you know, we had people get killed in the convoy. So, but you're also talking about over a mile of a stretch of road that your platoon wouldn't have been able to cover the whole thing anyway. Yeah. I mean, we were supposed to be watching about seven or yeah, about seven or eight kilometers of road. And it's, you know, yeah, again, the reality is like, it's just, you could, you 30, probably needed a company. Yeah. You right. probably need the whole company right. to be able to do that. Right. Just because of how that terrain is. Right. And we just, we didn't have it. Right. So we're, we're, we're you're right. It's like you do, you do the best you can with, with what you have in the moment. And, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't enough. And I, um, you know, I, again, it's one of those things like moving the patrol base where you just, you know, you, you get, you kind of get stuck on it, right? right? Where you're like, what was the right thing to do? You know, should I have really pulled those guys off for that raid? You know, should I have left them there? Should I have gone up the hill with just a squad? You know, with, again, there's no, right. there's not necessarily a right answer to that. Right, right. So you chase them up the mountain you start getting rounds on target from your mortars or your artillery and then command decides to send you some help. Yeah, we got, we got, um, we got aircraft. We did. Um, we, we rarely got, you know, um, you know, we rarely got aircraft, but I remember we got Apaches and, uh, you know that 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 obviously was uh, was beneficial, and we you know we pursued the enemy, you know, with the Apaches basically you know providing you know supporting fires, and I was directing their you know kind of the the Apaches, um, but the enemy ultimately got away. Was this was this it wasn't the, was it the time before or this one where you got the the French uh, fast movers? Oh yeah, so that so this is. Right, these are all I know, they like blur together from the yeah, for yeah, sure. I get like, it. Like they um so the the next so like after this big attack on this convoy, the enemy like so they realize, oh my gosh, there's actually like a an infantry platoon that's just totally like out here um away from the main company outpost and so they, you know, in the course of that whole big firefight, realized w where we were, like right. where we were um, operating. So the next day, um, you know, I think it was, yeah, it was basically the next day they, you know, they came, they came after us on the, you know, kind of in this, in this position we, we were in. And I, I knew, I knew they were coming. Like you, you know, like you start to, like at this point, like I'd start to actually develop like real instinct. And that, that's one of the things that I, I thought was, you know, really interesting, right. Was going from, you know, just, just like, you're just riding the wave. Like you don't know, you don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. You really don't. Everything's moving super fast, you know, and, and it's, it's totally overwhelming to 
being in control in a firefight, right? Where you're like, actually like, oh, you know, okay, like here's this tactical maneuver we need to do. And if we could do this, like this, this is going to make a difference mm -hmm. to actual. And they're right. This is like, this is the varsity shit is, is like predictive power. Right. Like, you know, you actually know what's going to happen and you can anticipate the enemy like you, you know what they're going to do mm -hmm. and then you can like be out ahead of them. And that's what I was looking for early on. Like when I got that mission where I got wounded and we were chasing those dudes and I couldn't figure it out, you know, like I couldn't figure out like how to kind of line it up and get, get the enemy dialed in. And, right. and so that was one of the things that I think was actually, you know, as part of like actually gaining that experience and getting like real combat instinct is, is like you start to actually have predictive power. So I knew that they were coming back so we basically arrayed ourselves got everything lined up where we were like ready to take them on the next day and that's what happens they came back and we were ready for them and we kicked their fucking asses and uh and you know killed killed you know a good number of them in that engagement so we got yeah we got uh we got french we got we got fighter planes french fighter planes totally worthless <laughs> um they were they were not helping at all um and it was part of you know part of it was terrain but then there's like you know there again there's like the, there's that dichotomy of like the people on the ground and the people who aren't and at, you know at one point they're like well hey you know we want <laughs> you know i'm like okay like like drop a bomb over here and you know they're like we need to know the exact disposition of everybody and they like wanted all this information and they wanted everything to be like super perfect and clean and, and right. sensible. And I was like, that's not a real thing in, in like fight in a combat situation. Um, and, and the tense part about this though, is you had accurate mortars or accurate artillery on them, which had to stop when the, when the French came in and you tried to wave the front, you tried to like tell the command, no, we don't want them. Like we have, we have rounds on. Uh, you you remember uh, way back when we interviewed Dan Hampton, F-16 pilot, right. and he was talking about doing joint training with the French. And they the French just took their toys and went home during the middle of this exercise because they were like, you can't, like they were doing an AAR and they're like, you can't just call us out and say we messed up and we need to improve this and that. Like that's that's not cool. And they just, they just up and left. Oh, God. Yeah. I, yeah. Like, so I, you know, maybe the bigger theme there, you know, the French. <laughs> let's let's get on it. <laughs> yeah. A lot of my favorite people um, is, you know, a lot of the coalition, but the, the coalition, right. Is, is not really, their heart's not really in it over there. Right. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're, they're there, but they're there because, you know, there's, there's a lot of high level generals and, and political uh, officials that have kind of shaken hands and they were like, all right, we're, we're there. But it's like, you know, really there was maybe a handful of countries that were, they were truly in the fight in Afghanistan and, and, and French were definitely not one of them. So, you know, those, you know, the situation I was in, I was like, those pilots, you know, they're <laughs> only bad things can come from like them, them dropping bombs, right. Where it's like, you could mess up, but if right. you do nothing, if you do nothing, right, then nothing bad will happen to you. Right. So there's that whole kind of culture that I think a lot of the, the like the allies kind of approached it with over there. Um, you know, uh, what, um, for me, what was so frustrating about that was 
like when you're you're winning and somebody's fucking it up right you know you're winning and and somebody's messing it up and you right. don't have like that many opportunities right to win right like where you're like we got this like we have them dialed in like we have them and then and then you feel that like slipping away right. because you work so hard for that like you know just again to kind of bring it down to like a a very like simple example like you work so hard to lay the perfect ambush right mm-hmm. and to like actually have the enemy like walk through your kill zone I'm right. like oh my god like orgasm moment right right and then and then somebody's screwing it up like right. the guy on on your left your left flank security teams over there sneezing and coughing right you know right he has hay fever over there and like choke that dude to death right right <laughs> <laughs> well, Hire did make that up to you though, right? By by sending you uh by sending you like the uh the infantryman's salvation, the infantryman's bomb. Oh my gosh. Well the A tens, right? Like, oh dude, A tens. Oh, <laughs> oh god. And maybe you guys probably know, like I, I kind of saw a bit about like the A tens being decommissioned, like they were gonna take him out of service, and I think every like former like ground pounder was like this is Every Heresy. couple of years, every couple of years, they try to do that. Okay, yeah, okay. So they're still, they're still, they're still in the air. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, that's okay. That's thanks, Jack. Um, oh, there must have been like screams. So yeah, we we had some A tens. We had some A tens roll in, and uh, American A tens, American pilots, and these dudes were just like we want to kill everybody like they were ready to go and we started dropping 500 pound bombs we started um rockets chain gun like everything and like we had their positions like dialed in and this a10 this dude came in and he was like kamikazing into the mountain you know like and you know they're they're, they're built for that right they're built for like close you know um like ground support and but like uh, what this dude did, I mean, it was it was amazing. I remember I could see the lettering, uh, like you know, the pilots have like their names stenciled in. Like they, he came in, you know, I was like, fucking drop a bomb right here, and he came in, and I remember I could see the lettering, Holy the, shit. like the pilot's name. Yeah, this dude was, badass. yeah, this dude was badass. You can see I mean, the salad in his teeth from lunch as he yeah. like winks at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Like one of those, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's and this dude. I mean, we again, we just, we just like we just like I I blew up an entire mount, like like an entire mountain, and and all the fucking Taliban on it, and it was it was awesome. Yeah, and eight tens are like Viagra awesome. for the infantry. Like everybody like watching is like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, it was like so. Here's here's the deal: you win, you know, like you're gonna have days where you're winning, and you're gonna have days when you're not. Yeah, and and that's the you know, I think for a lot of people like that were on the long tours, man. Like when the wars were really hot. Yeah, that's it, man. It was like it was this. It was like you know, it was like a boxing match, man. It was like you know, some rounds you're you're scoring a lot, and you're you're not. You might knock them down, you know. Some rounds, you know, you're getting knocked down and, and you just keep, you got to keep like getting up and you got to keep going, man. So yeah, that I, was a win. That day was a win for us. And then I'm, you know, felt fucking good. Yeah. It really did. You yeah. know, and that was, I was, yeah, I was like, you know, I have people read their book guys and they were like, 
oh, you know, like these, these dudes, there, there's no like remorse. And there's incredible remorse for like you guys, what we've been talking about. And I love the, the, the discussion about, you know, like when, where I messed up and I, my, my guys got killed, but like the bad guys, no, dude, right. no, no, there was never like, yeah, you never felt bad about that. You're like, this is not nah, fuck you, man. You know, like that's, yeah, those um, kind of questions where people ask you, like, how do you reconcile, you know, killing the enemy right. or something? Like, it's they like, were the well, bad guys. What, what, what am I supposed to reconcile? Right. It, 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 <laughs> and, and then, but then it gets turned around that you're a monster for not thinking that you're a monster for, you know, having well, that you, feeling. And you, you've pointed out to me in the past, Dave, like, it's almost like a consensual thing. Like, you don't show up to the party if you don't want to dance. Right. You know, right. you're yeah. there. I'm there. We all volunteered for this. Like, there are no ch child soldiers out here, right? Like. We're all gay. Yeah. Like, let's rock and roll. <laughs> um, yeah. No, please, yeah. go ahead. No, and that that's where it's like, yeah, I don't, and I don't expect anybody to feel sorry for me, man. And like, right. and, and the guys, like the guys that didn't come back, like I, you know, like, you know, I, I will always feel like sorrow about, you know, them, them not making it right. But like, I'm not. Yeah, like I, I just I went into this with my eyes wide open and I knew what I wanted to do. Right. And again, like if 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 you're the parents of 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 somebody who lost their life, that's you know, there's right. um, incredible sorrow, right? And and um it's like how you know, how can I like honor your son right forever? Right. Um but but I don't I'm not you know expecting anybody to to feel sorry for me for what you know like what I was doing. Right. And uh or like the consequences for me. Right. 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 Well, and it's like, you. I mean, it's just like you went in with your eyes wide open. So did the guys who didn't come home. You know, the, the people that it's hard on aren't the people who are gone. It's the people who are left behind. Um, yeah. You know, um, and, you know, it, it, look, I, I don't want to be callous because I 100% like empathize with, you know, people who did come home and maybe didn't come home whole or came home and they're struggling with it. I mean, I think we all have struggles, um, but but it's like you say, you know, you're not asking for pity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. even the guys who didn't come home, like we at the same time, we don't want to infantilize them. They were men. Right. They made a decision. They right. made their choice and they fought and they died honorably. Right. And we should respect them for that. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, well said, Jack. Absolutely. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, no, no pity. Yeah, There's a. No pity. Um, I don't know if you guys watch Barry or anybody watches Barry, but that dichotomy you talk about—the people going, "Where's the remorse?" Barry's about a, a former Marine becomes a hitman, wants to become an actor, yada yada yada. Really, it's a smart show on HBO. But there's a brilliant scene where he's thinking back to his memories of of his first kill, and actors are acting it out what they think happened. But it shows what civilians think, how those things go down, and what's actually going down in the foxhole. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, oh, that's uh <laughs> Yeah, so I don't and it's interesting, like what you know, we're what you're capable of like psychologically, you know, and uh but yeah, again, I, I believed in the cause. I wanted to be there. Right. I wanted to kill bad guys. Right. And yeah, like there was never a moment where I was like, "Oh, the humanity." Oh, yeah, what have I done? <laughs> right, no. right, right. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 
<laughs> I mean, there I, was, I mean, you saw like you saw go, like gory ass shit right. that you're like, okay, that's stuck in there forever. Right, right, right. But right. there's not, you know, there wasn't like, oh, oh. Well, and, and there were enough times where you would see evidence of what these people, not just to Americans, but to other Afghanis, whatever you go. Okay, yeah, like they're, they're oxygen thieves. They don't need to be here. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so um, anyway, so what what uh, what happens next for you then uh, in, in the grand scheme of things? We, you know, we just like the fight just spiraled. Dave, the fight spiraled, man. Like it went, we went from, we went to like all out war. We really did. And I think, um, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was like, there's some horror. There was some horror there, man. Um, but like, I think a lot of guys, like a lot of my friends that were there too, where you're like, you know, we basically, there was a time where we kind of stopped doing all the coin, you know, like hearts and minds stuff. Right. And just like, it was just like all out, like total war. Right. Right. And we, we essentially shut down this valley and like, it was just like the whole thing was just a giant shooting range. And, you know, it was, it was so freaking stressful to be in that situation where like we were in contact like three or four times a day. Right. It was just like, just, and guys were getting hit like all over the, all, right. like, just like heavy casualties on our side, you know, obviously we're inflicting a lot of damage on, on, on the enemy. Uh, but, but it, it went to like all out war and it, it stayed that way for, for months, like until basically like winter really set in. So, so if you guys have a, about, do you have about a company size element there? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's essentially like a, a rifle company. That's, that's about it. And how are you, how are you replacing those guys that are getting hit? We like we got we were getting reinforcements, but it was slow. Like we 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 had a lot of like the platoons were down to like thirty, you know, like a, a platoon might be around like thirty. Mm -hmm. With just you know injuries and just like the kind of replacements not feeding in very quickly. And then you know you know the other thing that was funny was like we started. I don't know. Like we got some like replacements too. They were like dudes that, like had like it was like like heart problems and shit like that. Like guys were or like really serious like criminal backgrounds. It was like funny because like I think when the war started, it was like the bar was like super high, right? And then, <laughs> and then like there was like all these medical and like criminal waivers and stuff. Um, and then you know a lot of those guys were like, yeah, give me the dudes who had like the criminal background, right? Like, right. That's the guy I want like being the one man into the house. Um, but it's not the dude that like I necessarily want to hang out with on the weekend once we right. get home. But right, yeah, you know, it's we don't want the Texas A and M uh, honor grad from Ranger School going uh, going into the house. Well, it's also that you know you just want somebody whose heart is nails who who because when you go in number one, you can't stop. Like you got to go in with purpose, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you want the dude who's yeah who's got a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, right. Who, <laughs> yeah, who wants to pick a fight? Yeah, uh, right. So that's 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 why definitely you know I'm saying like yeah, right, you can, let's go get that dude killed. No, I got, but like yeah. we started, so we were trying to, um, like we we were again like the, our company was just kind of getting ground into the into the 
into the dirt, man. Like we were just, you know, like kind of replacement troops were slow to come. And, and for a while there, we were probably at like 60% strength, you know, like just, just trying to get, you know, new, new recruits in. Um, and there, I, I think the worst thing in the world, like I, you know, I told you guys earlier about like how I was so horrified of being like a new lieutenant being assigned to a unit that had just come back from, mm -hmm. from combat. Mm -hmm. That was horrible. But the only thing that's worse than that is being a new dude, like dropped into the middle of a fight. Yeah. Like that is the worst freaking thing in the world yeah. in my mind. Like we're just like, so we had kids that were like getting dropped. Like they were like right out of AIT. Uh, it's like band of brothers, you know, where they talk yeah. about like after the battle of our dens and, there's all these new guys who come into the company and the older guys don't really want to get to know them. There's like that cultural split. Yeah. 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 And they were, yeah, they were basically like getting fucking kicked off of a helicopter into the, into this, like <laughs> into a giant gunfight every single day. And yeah, it was like, it was like, you see that in like the Vietnam movies too. You're yeah. like, I like cherry. I don't want to know your name. Yeah, exactly. Dude. The big you red know. one. Yeah. Yeah, that always seems so like Hollywood, but it was, I mean, it was like, yeah, you're like, oh, these dudes are, they're going to like, yeah, I don't even like, I don't even know what to do with these dudes because right. they're so fucking clueless. Right. Um, they, they're just going to get killed. They're like a liability, you right. know? And, and that's not, again, I'm like, I'm, I'm like generalizing. Sure. Right? And like a lot of those guys that we got mid tour end up being just awesome, like badasses. And, and like yeah, the this, way that this is the salty PL talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, but so, so like the mental adjustment to like get dropped in like that mm -hmm. is, you know, I definitely that's that's not uh, a position that you you want to be in, you know. So, well, and we, no, we, nobody's ever like um, faulted AIT with preparing somebody too much <laughs> for for actual combat, right? yeah yeah they're they're yeah they've had they've kind of just been run through like check the block check the block check the block okay you're ready like you can kind of like fire a rifle straight like right. have fun right. <laughs> so we had you know we had some of that and you gotta like learn quick man and you know it was like kind of like starting over too where you're like like the guys that came over with us like we were at this point right we were like eight not eight, like eight say eight nine months into this man you've been doing like you're a fucking ninja right like you can be like dude i can go walk around i don't even need night vision like i'll go walk around with my eyes closed on a mountainside in the dark right. like just do some badass shit um and like dude's ability like guys their ability like under fire to just you know uh just just throw down i mean just like incredible skill level competence you know coming out of of people but then you get again. You're always like strong as your 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 slowest guy or your weakest guy, right? right. So then you you end up like kind of starting over again when some of these kids were like, okay, like so you know you're you start to you're like okay, like I want you know I, I know first squad like they don't have any new dudes yet, so like you know <laughs> like I want first squad up front or you know we're gonna give them the kind of hard missions and, and you want to be careful with that and not just kind of running running your your salty dudes in the ground right but you know you, you gotta you gotta work around those new guys right and, and try to like give them opportunities to integrate and, and hopefully you don't you know you don't take them in like way over their head which is is so fucking easy to do right um, in an environment like that right I mean one they didn't have the chance to do the workups the train ups 
to bond with the team. And two, like everybody is a well-oiled machine by this point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like you're just, you're all like, you can, you have like, I mean, your ability to like, you could just look at a guy and he's like, okay, you know, like you're doing that, like Jedi shit with each other. Right. You know, you, you just like, you're totally like dialed in with each other. And, and it's awesome. And I, and I mean, I got this in my Ranger platoon where like you could do some incredibly complex, complex things. And there'd be like four things, like four words said over the radio. Mm-hmm. You know? Like that's like, oh God, it feels good. That's so cool. You know? And like you could do all this badass shit and like nobody even talks. Like, God, man, that feels good. I miss those days. Um, obviously the new guys, when you are talking to them, it's like, you fucking idiot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're fucking this all up. You're making too much noise. <laughs> yeah, that but yeah, we yeah, we ended up, but, uh, you know, in reality, like, we ended up, some of our best guys, like, ended up coming in kind of mid-tour. And then, and, and then again, like, once, once the, the ones that end up being solid, they bring that new energy in. Right. right? Where, like, mentally, man, and, and, and physically, I mean, you just start getting just, you, you're just chipping away, man. It's chipping away at your, you know, your body and your soul, your energy, you know, it's just every day, man, you have a little less of it, you know? Yeah. So how did this, uh, this deployment end up winding down? Um, and were you counting the days down like in one of those Vietnam flicks from back in the old days where you're like, Oh man, I I only got four weeks left. Uh, Am I going to make it? Yeah. Well, so we got extended. Mm-hmm. I won't take you through all that, man. It was a slog. It ended up being almost 16 months. That's one six. That's crazy. Months. Yeah. And, and it, you know, so we had a slow, we had a window where we kind of went back into like actually doing real, like, you know, kind of like nation building infrastructure project stuff. And that was the winter time when, you know, I think a lot of the outside, like the Al Qaeda, the for the foreigners kind of left for a while. And, and we used that opportunity to, to, to try some other things, but we got extended and we kind of got into the, 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 like the fighting season again. And that was, that was really difficult. Um, because after we got extended, I mean, we were, we were basically on the, on the verge of going home. Like we already had like the advanced party was back in the States and then mm-hmm. they kind of turned everybody around <laughs> instead. Wow. Oh, uh, just, you know, three, three more tease. months. Man. Kick in the ball. Yeah, that yeah. That was, that was horrible. And, and then that was, you know, I think that was kind of like mentally, that was the hardest time of the deployment because you just, you felt like you had made it. And then, you know, and you felt like you're like, all right, like this is, this is the guys I get to take home. And, uh, and then, you know, we got it deployed and, and then we had some, some casualties that, you know, kind of toward the end. Right. So those, those ones, hurt, those ones hurt really bad, right. you know, where it was like, damn, man, you know, we were, we were done. Um, but I'll tell you this, my last firefight, my last firefight in the Korongal Valley, we just, we went guns only, guns only, no mortars, no artillery, no air, no nothing. It was like, fuck it, dude. Let's just have a gunfight, like at the end. And uh, yeah, that was, that was an intentional choice. Felt pretty good. I'm glad, I'm glad I did it like that. Um, and uh, yeah, it was kind of. 
you know, kind of our our last like shootout was we just went guns only. <laughs> so, so you were just you were just like we're a bunch of gangsters and uh, we're gonna go mix it up with some bad actors and whatever happens happens. It was it was just like you know it was almost like honoring. It was like honoring them too. Mm-hmm. You were like I I just again like I don't know if I I like. I, again, not, I'm not like kumbaya with any anybody over there, but you know I do have respect for them uh, as 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 the light infantry force, and it was it just kind of felt like like a like let's just have a straight up like a shootout like you guys all you you guys don't have air you don't you don't you not you don't have mortars at this immediate moment they had artillery or they had mortars at least but it was just like let's let's just have not like a fair fight but like let's just kind of keep it let's just keep it like uh, uh, just us boys out here gentlemen rules. for this last yeah yeah and i don't i don't know man it just it seemed like a good idea at the time yeah nobody got hurt but it was like it was just kind of like it was it was sort of it was sort of about respecting kind of that last you knew and we knew it was our last firefight mm-hmm. um because we'd already been extended once. I was like, they can't possibly extend us to like two years. <laughs> I'm, gl- I'm glad nobody said that out loud, though. <laughs> right, yeah. That's like, yeah, that's like exactly. saying, I've got two weeks to retirement. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what, was, what was it like returning home? I mean, was it a difficult readjustment back to uh, the land of Walmart? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this this is a big theme in the book, and, yeah. and I, I I lay this out there for people of like the these like quick you know in World War Two, right? Like you would, um, you know, you get on you're going to war, you get on a ship, and you're like whole units together, and there was this long journey, and it was this this long thing, and and like you had all this time to adjust. But modern war is like these very quick back and forth, you know. So I remember it was just like coming home from that like it's it was been so intense that yeah it was man i was i was not right you know for for like a long time yeah and Uh, there like i i definitely like we've kept you and i want to get into your time at at, at battalion everything um but you do talk a lot about that and very personally about about how you dealt with that and um you know it's it's very powerful Let's uh let's yeah. talk about Ranger Battalion yeah. for the bonus yeah. segment. Oh, for the bonus segment. Yeah, okay. yeah. And let, we have a bunch of user questions to hit up. Yeah. Um and, and just so you guys know, um, you know, you you spent you did two or three tours with regiment uh over overseas. Three, three right. Yeah. Um and you spent a good time there. Um so but the majority of this book is about your time with 10th mountain, which I think is really important um, because I mean, what's sort of right. I, I, and you do say some great stuff about your time at Ranger battalion, but what's there to write about doing raids every single night, you know, it, it, where it's, it's, it all feels the same after a while. Right. Um, yeah, I think it was a little less. Yeah, it was a little like less unique to me, right? Um, that that experience, but but you know, I, I obviously I, I focus on the things in in the book that I thought were like, hey, there's this this I think has there's bigger lessons here, or this is you know this is sort of there's is an adventure story that I think other people enjoy. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, you know, a lot of the book is that first tour in Afghanistan. Cause yeah. I think that was, that was fairly far out there, like way outside the standard deviations. Like we were way off the bell curve, man. <laughs> right. So, right. Um, so and, just, uh, and so we'll talk about the time at regiment in the bonus segment for those of you who are our Patreon supporters. And if you're not, maybe you should check us out uh, because we might even throw some sh friendly shade on 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 a on a brethren service. Oh, you mean naval infantry? I, I I'm not. I don't know. It's totally naval up to infantry. Ray. It's a flawed concept from the get go, folks. Think friendly about it. shade. Think about it. We March at Midnight is the book. Guys, go check it out on uh, Amazon or wherever books are sold. You can find this bad boy. Let's uh, hit some uh, viewer questions here yeah. um, before we, uh, we we roll out tonight. Um, let's see here. Uh, oh, you know what? It does this. It like I don't know why it does this. I'm going to have to go to the other thing to get the old so, one. If you want folks, to start from the bottom going up? And yeah, I'll sure. Uh, so it. in Patton's journals from World War II, when he was in combat, he would write entries like, I have never been so happy. Andrew says, that doesn't surprise me about Patton. I, let's see. I think that's true for a lot of soldiers, though, that, that there is a purity to combat, right? That there's a, I don't want to say that everybody's happy, but but there's a joy that can be found there or a camaraderie and, and a sense of purpose that it's hard to replicate someplace else. Uh, Andrew is asking, did you have mules with you at this point in Afghanistan? Yes. Really? Yeah, we relied on mules for resupply. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We did do the, like, we went to training for that, and then we ended up, you know, we used... So they, they would have, mule. like, a mule resupply train coming up the mountain to drop off MREs and shit for you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we did. We did mules, man. We did that. Um, it was local mules. Like, we basically were like, hey, local dude. You know, we'll give you some money, and then we kind of rigged them up and stuff. But we were using local mules. It wasn't like we didn't have like a official army, you know, mule skinner unit or anything like that. But yeah, we did. That's pretty cool. Yep. Right. If you were old had, school, man. Yeah. If you had kept a journal during this, would would there ever been have been an entry or something close to? I've never been so happy. Oh, I don't know, man. There was definitely like ecstasy on like like tactical wins. Mm -hmm. There was ecstasy, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't think there was anything like that. You know, I don't know. It's, you know, it's a, it's a interesting question. I think for the grunt, most of the time you're just freaking tired. Mm -hmm. You're so smoked, man. You know, you're just tired and you're like, when it's over, you, you get, you're happy, but you're like, all right, you know, it's like on the next thing of like, all right, like cross load ammo and what's the next up mission or like we need to consolidate positions. So um, I, I didn't really have time to kind of sit around and reflect on like how, how happy I was. Well, cause uh, you weren't a general generals get to do that. DJ <laughs> DJ says, Jack and Dave, great work. Ray, more thoughts on Texas A&M words for a young fish listening in, especially Texas A&M's legacy pre-ranger school program rudders. Great writing both books. Oh, nice, man. Dude, yeah. Like, I, I, it's cool you're, you're doing rudders. That's an awesome program. It's, it's sort of a pre-ranger school, right, for, for those that aren't familiar with it. And I, I say just, like, get all the training you can get. 
get, you know, like, like sign up for everything, man. Like I went to mountaineering school when I was uh, with the army, you know, I, I, I liked, there was nothing I did not take advantage of. And there's some good, you know, um, you know, what I learned the most from was from like old NCOs, man, old NCOs. When I like, was I was at Texas A&M, uh, there was a master sergeant, uh, Victor Hoyos, who, who taught me a lot. So listen to those NCOs and like, go to every every school every training thing you can andrew says what is the longest conventional unit has or what is the longest a conventional unit has been deployed and i I don't know the answer to that question honestly do you guys well yeah i mean it it, it, like gwat era i think 16 months is the longest yeah um you know you go back to world war ii man i mean some of those dudes are deployed for like those units were overseas right. for like several years, yeah. you know, like two, three years. Yeah. When you went to the war, you went to the war. Yeah, that was it. But you were also like hanging out in like Britain for like a long time, you know, uh, <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't hanging out in like a platoon fire base for right. few years. Right. So uh, I'll, so. I'll, I'll guess some and I'll work back towards you. Uh, did you, and we can talk about a little bit more of that, but did you work with any of the CT units, chiefly CAG, HRT and super seals? Uh, what were yeah. your experiences like with them? Rangers seem to talk highly of the former two, whereas the latter has mixed opinions. Yeah, the the I, I did. I, I worked with every all the all the super secret squirrel like black side guys, um, and uh, I don't know, man. Oh gosh, yeah. Say I, it I, how I, it is. I, Say it how it well, is, Ray. Say what you want to well, say. I tell you this. A lot of old, like a lot of Delta dudes are former Ranger regiment guys. Like that's a big feeder, like into the, into the regiment. Right. So and it was always like this, like li- big brother, little brother kind of thing that you see that in like Black Hawk Down. I thought they got movie did a good job of kind of deflecting that relationship. Uh, SEAL team, the, the SEAL teams, very, very different cultures, very different, like approach to just tactics. Um, and so not a good fit man not a good fit like you know um for 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 me personally i i struggle with a lot of things with uh you know kind of kind of working for the seals some of that's just like military like inner service rivalry that's that's a reality you know we we don't all get along we 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 really do not but uh yeah a lot a lot of love and and respect for the other uh you know for especially for the you know, kind of the, the, the tier one guys on the army side. Not to get too much into it now, but did you, I mean, I'm sure you were appreciated it when somebody from the super seals offered to be the QRF commander of your QRF force. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Well, so we got, we were working with the seals, you know, super seals. And then, uh, I won't tell the whole story, but you know what started happening like kind of later in Afghanistan was the mission started drying up. The mission started drying up and we wanted to do ops like we wanted to do cool ass missions. And when the mission started drying up, then like the inter-service rivalry and like all the, the beef got even worse. Right. Because it was just like there just wasn't a lot of action to go around. So it just brought out kind of the worst in people. I'll just I'll, just, I'll put it like that. Dave. <laughs> Um, uh, what's ten- life like as an officer in battalion? It's good. It's way, it's, it's easy. It's easy, man. You can do soft touch leadership. You can do soft touch leadership. 
and and I I loved it, man. Um, I had had a superstar Ranger platoon sergeants. I had, you know, I was a ground force commander and had superstar like platoon leaders that I was working with, superstar NCOs, and it, I loved it, man. It was it was awesome. It was it was easy. It was fucking easy. Quite honestly, like I was tactically, I was proficient and and physically you know fit and i just it was it was awesome man you know the the big army was hard because you again you had those like long tours and experiences and you had to you had to lift people up a lot Mm -hmm. and i never had to lift anybody up in the rangers man you know and that's just like that kind of leadership where you're having to like lift people up who are quitting Mm -hmm. who are who, who can't do it anymore that kind of thing that's that's a lot harder than you know, just um, like running a, a, a big yeah. team of yeah. super high performers. In, in Ranger Battalion, you're trying to hold them back as a PL more often than not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Keep, keep your spec four mafia in, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. in check. <laughs> uh, for Jack, Dave, and Ray, do you guys feel the U.S. will struggle to recruit international assets after leaving Afghan assets in a mess? Um, well, it, it's come out publicly in like the Washington Post now. Um, you know, we got a lot of our Afghan assets out of the country. Um, we did shut down the embassy in uh, in Kabul, so it's going to be pretty difficult to recruit assets going into the future. Um, I don't know. Do you, either of you guys have any comment on that? Oh man, I I, um, I know that like being a young platoon leader doing like coin and, and like kind of walking into villages and being like, Hey, you know, kind of like you want to be on our team. Um, that's that, that like, if we try that again, anytime soon, that will like, that will be a difficult conversation for those platoon leaders, those guys sure. on the ground for whatever that next country is where we're fighting to kind of go, Hey, play on our team. Um, I, I imagine that that will be harder. Um, but the circumstances, I think, all aren't necessarily going to be the same. So, yeah, it's 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 sort of um, hard to answer that question, you know, specifically just because of like all the different conditions and variables. Did that, did, did yeah. you ever stumble upon an ancient artifact? Uh, you know, what we saw not artifacts necessarily, and we saw a lot of wildlife, like mountain lions. Really? Um, yeah, like seeing a mountain lion under night vision, like when you're already like super smoked, you're sitting on the side of a mountain, like tired as shit. And you're like, am I really seeing that? <laughs> like how big, how big were these fuckers? I, they were good size. Like I didn't see snow leopards, but they were, they're in that, that's their habitat. That like the snow leopards are out there, man. Um, but we saw mountain lions and they, I'll tell you, Jack, they look big as shit under nods. Like, <laughs> yeah. They look like they could eat all of us. Yeah. Like, oh, dude, light it up. Yeah. It's like when you see a shark in the ocean, it's like you realize what an apex predator oh, really looks like. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like, you know, with, uh, you know, if you actually weighed that thing, it's probably not, you know, an, a, a thousand pound animal, but. It sure as hell looks scary in the moment. Yeah, but no, uh, no hand of Vecna or uh, Ark of the Covenant or anything, anything good like that, huh? From ancient Babylonia. Oh man, we'd find weird stuff doing, especially in Iraq, doing like, um, you know, you go raid a house and then you toss the place SSE shit, right? Right. Looking for intel and like, I don't know, we'd find like crazy stuff, like you know, emeralds and 
you know, like wealth, like real wealth that people had over yeah. there. It was like stuff like that was pretty interesting, but no, no, like Indiana Jones stuff. Um, <clears throat> was being shy ever an obstacle you had to overcome as being a platoon leader? If so, how did you deal with it, particularly being a leader in Ranger Battalion? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was like, you know, we, it was hard to, um, not like, you just like very self-conscious, right? Where you're like, I don't want to sound stupid. Right. Like, I don't want to sound stupid, you know? And what, that, that was really bad in my first unit by the time, like, you know, where you're just like, you're very insecure. Mm -hmm. And by the time I got to range battalion, I felt like, you know, I'd been through such a like horrendous tour. And I know all the range battalion dudes were badass, right? But I was just like, uh, y'all, I've fucking been way more firefights than I think probably anybody here, except for, you know, maybe this, this, the senior E7s. Right. Um, so I, I was less worried about it there. But yeah, especially being like a new, you know, like PL, I was, I, yeah, it was, it's kind of hard to find your voice. So you lead by example, right? You go on every patrol, like right. you get out there. And, and you do the hard missions and you get wet and you get dirty and, and like you, you get out there and, and, and sort of like actions, not words. So that's, that's how I, I cope with that. Do you, do you think that it was that shyness or that sort of insecurity or wanting to fit if it, you wanted to fit in that sort of precipitated you almost losing your job prior to your first, your first operation, the, the big blow up from the talk? Yeah. Hey, is is my um is my audio okay, yeah. guys? I yeah. just had to make a little quick switch. Okay, cool. So I think um yeah, like I I was also like when you're new, you're kind of insecure, right? And I got like kind of familiar, like your NCOs that are actually like kind of friendly. <laughs> it, it's it's easy to kind of get like real um you know, almost like uh, a little too you know nice with them and a little too like casual and relaxed. And I actually got me in kind of in big trouble. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you're looking right. You're looking to belong in the, in the, in the platoon. Right. Uh, but it, there's, there's really a fine balance, man. And, and you're, you're not there to be everybody's fucking buddy. Yeah. And that's, that's and it's that's hard like, cause you're all by yourself. Like it's a lonely position. Right. Yeah. Where you're like, if you're a squad leader, right, you got four, you got three other buddies right. that are just, you know, it's like instant connection. And then, yeah. So for the platoon leaders, right. Like your, your buddies are kind of your other platoon leaders. Right. But in, in Afghanistan in particular, and, and for many in Iraq too, it was like, you know, platoons are kind of out there on their own. So like you really are, right. you know, it's kind of you and you know who you end up like getting to know really well. And this is hundred percent true for me is your RTO and your RTO was like, you know, kind of turns into, you know, the guy that's like always in the room with you. He's yeah. kind of hearing all the same radio traffic. He's hearing the orders, this crazy fucking orders come over the radio, just like right there in the moment with you. And you're like, it's, it's hard to, to be like totally stoic <laughs> with your RTO. Like you right. kind of let, you kind of let him see like the human side of you. You're like, right. Oh my fucking well, God. Really? Right. He sees that <laughs> reaction that you have to the, to the bullshit orders before you, Pass them on to your troops like you 100 percent support before them. you before you yeah, before yeah. you go uh -huh, yes. <laughs> right, right I believe in this you right, know right <laughs> he sees you going fuck God fucking damn it not again son of a bitch yeah and we did not talk about that story it's a great story and and it you know it has kind of a follow on.
So if you want to get the full story, get the book We March at Midnight <laughs> by Ray McBath. Uh on Amazon. Do, uh, are you do you are you on um on Prime on the uh yeah Amazon Prime Amazon Prime? Yeah. Yeah, every oh yeah, all the every outlet, all the major outlets, you know, the books available, audiobook, <coughs> um yeah, hard copy, uh digital everything. Yeah. And there's also your novel out there. What is it? The, the whole mountain burned? Yeah, and the whole mountain burned. Yeah, I'm I'm that's that was my my first book. Uh it won the national award from the American Library Association. Best uh, military novel of the year. It was 2019. Yeah, I'll tell you. Like one of the one of the great things about your book is it reads the action reads like a fiction book, and I say that in the best way because it's very vivid. It's very vivid, and 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 it'll put you on the edge of your seat when when you're reading it, or you know, uh, the edge of your bed if you're lying down. However, Um, but I highly recommend. It's a phenomenal read. Um, yeah, thanks. I, I, well, like I wanted it to be an adventure story, like first and foremost, and I really wanted the person to like be in the foxhole with like next to me or like be on the patrol. And it's like, it's like what I was looking for, like as a young guy, where, where I was like, I wanted, I was hungry for like books that were like, that were real. And they were like, you know, really put you there in the moment. And so that's, that's, you know, what I, what well, I wanted to create. You do even more than that because I, I, I have the same praise for your book that I have for Andy Milburn's book, which is people don't really understand the weight of leadership uh, in the military for an officer and, and the, the, the effect of the decisions that you make and, and, and not just the, the effect out there in the world, like what happens to the troops that you're commanding, but what happens internally and, and how do you wrestle with those never knowing what the right answer might have been? Yeah, the weight of it is incredible. And it's, you know, like you hear generals like saying shit like that and you're like, whatever. But like when it's like you're, you told that kid to do what, you know, like, okay, like go over there to that house and mm-hmm. then he died, mm-hmm. right? Like that's that's a whole nother level of, you know, where you're right. like, is that the right thing to do, you know? And so that's, yeah, you got, it's always there. I said this before, it's always going to be there, man, where mm-hmm. you, you kind of, it's always, you kind of carry that around the rest of your life, right? you know? And if you'd made a different decision, like, like I said, move the patrol base and guys got hit going to get resupply, your thought would be, I shouldn't have moved with the patrol base. Did, uh, <laughs> did we get all the user questions? Uh, almost. Uh, when we were talking about marriage, when strippers and whatnot, isn't there a reason why German soldiers used to have to get their CEO's blessing to marry? <laughs> no shit. I didn't know that. I didn't know uh, that that's, either. That's cool. I, but, yeah. I, if, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we're Americans. The idea of like, you know, the, the chain of command telling you who can marry, I think that wouldn't go very far. But I, uh, uh, you know, I do think that a lot of guys, yeah, you kind of have the like the, 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 the kind of like hasty marriages, like right before, yeah, yeah. you know, deployments. And, and a lot of guys got, got ruined by that kind of thing, man. So you got you to gotta be careful. Yeah. You know? in, the, uh, in the Gurkhas, yeah. they don't let guys depo- uh, marry uh, on their first enlistment. Well, I mean, I mean, the Marine Corps thing, you know, their whole thing in like boot camp was if the Marine Corps wanted you to have a wife, we would have issued you one. And then in the Navy, 
I don't know how it is now, but it used to be very strict that you, the like the the ship's captain would not would not allow when they would go to like the Philippines or whatever. The ship's captain would not allow his young sailors fresh out off the farm from Arkansas, you know, or whatever. Uh, do they have farms in Arkansas? I don't know. But to to marry like a, a, a woman, you know, from you know from from Manila or or from Phuket or from wherever else because they go out and they fall in love with the first woman who really gives them a lot of attention. What's, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it. Okay. Uh, unless there's anything new that's cool. Come in. Uh, Oh, just, uh, Jerry says, uh, I love rock climbing. When I see videos, my hands start sweating. You're an awesome guy. Uh, so guys, uh, next week is, uh, Mick Mulroy is going to be on the show next Friday. He's a former Marine and uh, served as a CIA paramilitary officer. And he also, uh, I'm going to butcher it, I believe he was a counterterrorism advisor to the National Security Council uh, during the Trump administration. So he's a very interesting guy. And uh, we're excited to have him on the show. This has been a lot of fun, Ray. Uh, I'm really glad that you wrote this book, and I'm really happy that we were able to have you on the show tonight. Um, and I, I hope our viewers will go and check out this uh, this book. Yeah, you, you guys definitely should. Like, it, it's a great read. You'll enjoy it. Yeah, thank, thanks, guys. Jack, Dave, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of both of you guys again, and thank, thanks for having me on. This was really fun. Thanks, yeah, man. We're a big fan of yours. And uh, yeah, we want to uh, and please stick around. I want to have you on the bonus segment to talk about Ranger Battalion. Um, but I think that's all we got for tonight for the uh, you want to get into this because, you know, we don't want to keep you for yeah, too long. Good, you but I was telling Jack.